Cultures like a baby. It's yes or no or maybe. Whether you are your special lady, you gotta quit taking snapshots of nothing. Nah. Um, hello? Hey. Hello, how are you? Who's this? Oh. <sighs> are you happy with your long distance service? Before you answer, hi, it's me. I'm sorry. You know, I said I was ready. Uh, we were late. I was ready. I made my espresso. And then at the last minute, I ran over to get my information from. Because it seems like we always end up talking about something. I don't have my phone. And then you get mad at me. So I want to make sure I have my phone here. Got my phone. Right here. Which one is it? What kind of phone? It's an Android? Hmm? Yep, yep, yep. I got the, uh, the ice cream uh, Nexus Galaxy. Galaxy, Galaxy Nexus 2.X. Hmm. The two point X. Now I get the two point N A N. It's got a flash error. Did you um, did you install the sandwich on it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I put on TKTBD as well, as well as the N A N uh, add in. So I get about forty seconds of battery life, uh, which is just enough time to watch the beginning of an Android video about how good Android is. On Can my you Android install show. Tickle yeah. on that? Uh, are you talking about the, uh, the, 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 the Tickle implementation of, of Lisp or something closer yeah, to tickle, the... Tickle TK. Oh, sure. Tipple t- t- tickle TVD. I've done that. I've, got that. I've, got, I've gotten actually all the way down to the metal. I removed everything that wasn't metal uh, and I turbocharged it. So I was at the, <laughs> I was at the Safeway because, you know, I spent almost all of my time either That's talking weird. to you or standing in line at Walgreens in the Safeway. I was standing in line at the Safeway. The guy in front of me, who's that guy, right? He's the guy who's really excited about his new device. Okay, so that guy's in front of me in line, and he, he takes what is it? What did it look like? Um, it 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 was way larger than what one would normally read as a phone. Let's put it that way. I would say it looks like something that like uh, a cocktail waitress at the Playboy Club would put six drinks on, um, small drinks. So she took he took out this thing, and I couldn't tell if it was a really really small tablet or or a giant giant phone, <laughs> which is you know. Not great. Like I should, that should read as phone or read as tablet. It was yeah. either an, an asinine tablet or an asinine <laughs> phone. And he took it out and, you know, you ever watch people take photos with an iPad? It's always funny. You know, it looks silly. It, it, looks, looks, aw- it looks awkward. I just took my first iPad photo moments before the show began. Moments. Hmm. How, did it feel weird? It felt weird and it, no one saw me doing it. <laughs> so it was all right. Yeah. I, I feel weird doing it. I mean... As uncamera-like in feel as the iPhone is, it's still, you know, there's been improvements. I think the slightly squared edges, the ability to hit the plus volume button to shoot and so forth. Anyway, I, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to start a thing. But this guy in front of me, he, he, he takes out, I'm guessing it's a phone. Although it, it seems like you would have to have like Andre the Giant hands to hold this thing. <laughs> and, he's, and he's really excited. He takes it out and he's, he's scanning the barcodes. While he's waiting in line, he's scanning all the barcodes on his food with his, with his giant ass Android phone. Why? Uh, for exactly the reason that, you know, well, what happened, which is the checker goes, oh, you're scanning those with your phone. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that was it. That's the whole explanation. Um, you know what? I think she was almost exactly as interested as I, as I was <laughs> in getting heavily involved so, you know, so the thing is, you know how close I am to being that guy, like, all the time. I was in a hurry, and I, of course, I didn't want to talk to this guy, because I thought he might scan me, but uh, I was very close to whipping out my phone and clicking <laughs> on Amazon Flow and making him literally <laughs> wet his pants at the Walgreens. Right. Do they have Flow for the Android? 
you think? Have you used Flow, the, uh, the Amazon Flow app? Have you used that yet? Amazon Flow. Amazon's got a whole bunch of apps, if you include all their properties, all their IMDBs and all these. But, you know, they've actually got a bunch of a pretty interesting... Uh, this must exist. Okay, sorry, Van Hoot. I know this must exist on every platform in the world, and I'm an idiot because I have my head up my ass in, in that Apple world. But uh, it's pretty neat because, first of all, it's got a built-in uh, UPC... UPC? Yeah. UPC scanner. So you just walk up to something, go ding, and it says, okay, here it is on the Amazon store. Want to buy it? Right? Perfect. You don't need a separate app. You don't need oh, to open Oh, okay, because I've been using this, this other one... Uh... I think QR it's called, code. Well, it's called like red laser. Like red laser. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at red lasers. Uh, if you want to be that guy, if you want to be uh, Johnny Safeway Trey, like you're good. Like for that, <laughs> I don't like. But, I don't like red laser except it's free. But and next, I have. If I had a second ass from, if I had a non Apple ass for my head to go up, it would probably be Amazon. I probably need it. I could probably get that like tomorrow for yeah. three ninety nine. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Amazon ass. People who have looked at Amazon ass have also bought. HDMI ass cable (laughs) HDMI switcher cable for ass (laughs) and so uh, here's the neat thing though is uh, and and this works some of the time it's a great you know as you may know Dan oh well we've never met I give literally the worst demos in the world like I could take the coolest thing and make it look really stupid really quickly because I'm not super bright I talk too fast and, and also I'm just I'm not good at stuff but the one demo that kills with my family is Amazon Flow, which is like go over to my sister-in-law's house like I did this weekend. She had the one who threw out my glasses, not that I'm angry. I pull out my phone. I hit Amazon Flow. I point it at a large can of Heinz, uh, like a canned tomatoes. I pointed at a thing of plastic pickles. Boop, boop, boop. A little bunch of little blue dots run around on the screen. And less than a second later, the product pops up on screen because it's scanning for patterns in the image that it can recognize. That's weird. I don't believe it's it. Not, it's kind of magical. You, it doesn't work with as well with stuff like shoes. I'm trying to buy this a, a new pair of these shoes I've had for a while, and that didn't work so great. But um, pointing at a label is not bad. I mean, to me, this is, I hate to say, you know, rocket car stuff, but that's kind of the future. Like, wouldn't it be great to just walk around your kitchen and go, oh, we're almost out of that, boop. You know, and the fact that it's got the UPC scanner built in is pretty neat. Um, anyway, it's, not, it's certainly not flawless, but as a proof of concept, I think it's a very interesting idea. Uh, in my mind, Too bad it's so expensive, this app. Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so expensive. Well, if you're, if you're going to be real edgy about it, you're going to want a phone that lasts at least 35 seconds so you can scan a picture of your stuff for dinner for one. He bought a bunch of them. Have flip-flops. It's just not a great trend <laughs> for this fella. Mm. Mm. You know, it's open. Just you make dir. You make dir, and then you tickle, tickle TBD. And pretty soon you're running Android. Anything in your house, literally anything can run Android. You got a toothbrush, Android. Get 20 seconds out of that. I'm going to put this thing, this flow. So you're saying I can put this on the iPad even? I think so, yeah. yeah. You know what? Just, just, just to have a little bit of medicine here, I will scan the cover of Giant Size. The, uh, what's, I always call it the, the cover. It's not right. Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 1. I, I will shoot this and see. And I'll do a screen grab to see if it works. This is can it do? Could the, it do just, just periodicals? Or can, it, can you take a picture of like a phone and it'll... Get what yeah. the phone is. Well, like I say, I mean, the more distinctive the the pattern of, of the thing is, I think the better it gets. We could spend the whole show just trying scanning this different is, things this in is our what house. Walter Winchell called compelling radio. <laughs> I understand. You're going to sit there with a phone, it's a little computer in your pocket, and you shoot pictures of things around your house. That's dynamite, kid. Okay, so we're going to try. I'm going to try flow on uh, Clorox disinfecting wipes. 
because I have a lot of personal hygiene problems. Do, 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 do. And we'll see how this does. Okay. Send you a screen grab. Got the Clorox wipes. Let's try it with the X-Men. Hang on one second. Oh, Jean Grey. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Oh, God, she's so dirty. Okay, um, yeah, I'm back. Let's it works very well with covers of books. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, in terms of the whole like sort of uh, you, you, uh, ubiquitous capture idea that we talk about a lot, I mean, how, you know, again, you know, you think about something like uh, David Allen's uh, Getting Things Done, Copyright David Co. 2001. Um, <laughs> one thing that's great about that is this notion of like, you know, don't go leave a sticky note about taking your briefcase to work, put your briefcase in front of the door. And in this instance, do, do you follow? In this instance, like, why would I write this down on a list if I can just have this added? And the beauty part is, like, I think they so get the... Hang on, we do one more here. I think they so get the nerds here. They understand that, like, I, I'm I'm busy douche guy with a phone. I just want to click this. And did you catch that it just pops up the buy this button? Yes, very cool. Yeah, I think that's well done. Yes, I'll send that to you if you want to put in the robot. Giant size X-Men, volume one, number one. Clorox disinfecting wipes. Oh, lemon fresh. That's why it smells so good in here. How you been? I'm pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. What what were you late? I mean, not specifically, but like for something interesting or something annoying? Uh, We had some last minute sponsor rejiggering, not for this show, but for for another show. And then uh, that went... A little bit later, so I started a few minutes later with Marco, which pushed uh, everything, the whole schedule back a little bit. Hmm. I cut the very, very, very tail end of that. Yeah. But I, I will listen to it in its completion. I, you know what I did, though? I, I turned it off because I didn't want to waste your money. I know how costly it is for you to do that. That's right. I'd listen to the ads twice because, you know, people are literally stealing from you. They I don't do that. That's what I said. Well, I said, you know, don't take it too seriously, but it is like no. stealing. No, seriously. Which don't, do you think, think is serious. better or worse? People who skip through when you do the sponsorship or people who listen at double speed? Completely, completely different things. But completely, well, both of them are bad I'm, or both are wrong? Well, I mean, like, like, I don't know. Like, what's better for the economy, stabbing yourself in the eye or sleeping late? I mean, sleeping like, light is worse. Okay, that's the correct answer. Moving on, lightning round. Um, you don't want to know what I think about this. You don't want to know. First of all, the two X thing, whatever. That's fine. That's great. I mean, um, no, I don't. I don't actually want to know. I know. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you because <laughs> oh man, this is expensive now. <gasps> this must be uh, OOP. Is that out of period or out of print? How do you it's say that? OPP. OPP. Oh, you know me. Who let the dogs out? Did they ever find out? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's still one of the unanswered questions from the 80s. Well, obviously, it troubled them because then afterward, they would say, who, 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 who? <laughs> you see that? I just sent that to you. Do you have your phone nearby, your iPhone? I got everything right here. Okay. Anyway, that's what my comic book looks like. Looks like. Um, I saw that. I'm going to tell you something. Well, you know what? Never mind. Save for the after dark. Uh, say to me uh, how I feel about ads. Ask me about ads and I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to this. And once you get past that whole, like, I'm worried about being a hypocrite racket and I start becoming an honest person, I have an honest feeling about that that I think is good for everybody that you should ask me about. After dark? After dark. Good week? Big week, really. Huge week. Are you kidding me? Have you seen that new iPad screen? I have. I have one right here. (laughs) I don't care. Um, Sorry. No, I'm sorry. That sounds glib. I literally don't care, but I heard it's nice. Is it really nice? Is it really? It's actually better than print. It, it's. It looks it's, as good. It looks as good as print. 
Oh my God. That's amazing. Do you have an iPad? I I think. Yeah. It's nice. I this like it. This is different. Hold on. That's different yeah. from having an iPhone. They're different. Okay, hang on. Now now which one which one lasts for seven minutes battery life? That's the Android phone. Oh, that's 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 Scanny Mix single serving. Hello! It's a St. Patrick's Day special. That is Scanny Mix. <laughs> I think people would love to know what kind of iPad you have. Yeah. Scratched. Urgh. I'm so the screen or the back? This. No. My my information phone. You know what's weird, Dan? Like, I, I, I get a bad rap about a lot of things. Can you write that down for a show sometime? The things I get a bad rap about? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. A- including being very, very defensive, and I am not defensive. I'm, I'm really tired of people <laughs> saying that I'm defensive. Right. No, I think I get a bad rap for being tightly wound, which, as you know, I'm, I'm mostly not. But there's some things where I am kind of like, mm, like, this phone was, by my standards, kind of expensive, and it is pretty nice. And so, you know, I remember Gruber talking about this from the early days of the information phone. It's like, you feel kind of weird putting it in your pocket. And like almost everybody I know puts their information phone in their pocket with the screen facing uh, their dingus, right? right? You don't want to face it out because like somebody with like a knife on the subway is going to hit your phone, right? I still worry about my camera lens, of course. But this is one reason I like keeping it in the Gen 1 uh, Mophie juice pack. Is yeah, you get the juice, extra- juice pack. Juice pack. Juice pack. Hi. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever petered out on juice? <laughs> right at the moment you were scanning your single person meal? Like to buy the sun? People? <laughs> Penthouse Forum, before you answer, hi, I'm Martha Stewart. <laughs> <sighs> oh, hi, are you still there? Yes, how are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great today. Um, we were uh, talking about the phone, but see, the thing is, I try so hard, and then, like, I never feel the scratch happen obviously right you discover the scratch later Mm. and so i've got a scratch on my information phone like just over (laughs) i just got a message from you did you i just got an away find may i read the subject line of the message that just popped up in my notification yes away find dan benjamin colon (laughs) i am not looking at this image during our show (laughs) look at the image Oh, I thought you were referring to mine. God, this is already gold. Um, so, uh, did you so, look at the image? It's on Blogspot. It looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you send me Markdown. It's really weird. Yeah. I'll look at it in a second. Um, so, so the problem is, um, it drives me crazy. Then once I see it, I can't unsee it. Right. So I've got this one little thing, um, just a little over on the right, a little under halfway down on my information phone, and it's no bigger than like a like a baby's pinky nail. Like the width. Like if a baby had stuck their pinky nail in wet cement. Barely, barely, barely. It's that. And so you know what I do all day long? I run my goddamn thumbnail over that oh, feeling pain in my a heart. Obsessive. Well, I, I have to kiss it three times before I'm allowed to clean the doorknob. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, but now on my information pad, uh, I've got one. It's like a little. It's almost like a like a third. If you imagine a circle about the size of a quarter. And I've got a scratch. It's like if you traced a third of a quarter very lightly. And it's barely there, but it's there. And I notice it. So, and I think I still got plenty, I still got plenty of miles on, on two of our iPads. <laughs> so I don't want to be fancy right. and buy another one. Now, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure I'm going to be kind, become another one of these people who the screen is so amazing that they literally have to talk about it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be great. But I'm very happy with what I have. 
I, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta agree with uh, the Paris Lemon dude. That uh, I, I, I kid, MG Siegler. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with him. I'm really getting my head around AirPlay now, and how I, I'm still not buying Siri as like remote control personally. But um, you know, the combination of like AirPlay. I played a video game using AirPlay the other day. It's yeah. a game that you play on video, and it was amazing. Uh, we're doing it with AirPlay. And I gotta tell you, I can't believe JSER did not know the remote um, app trick because that changes everything when you use the remote app to interact. What, what I'm saying is, first of all, I played HD Racing Two on uh, whatever the hell it's called, uh, you know, where you've got this. Tr- you can see the track on your iPad, but the actual action is on your screen. And I felt like I was Buck Rogers or something. But then the first time that I used the remote app to type something into the Netflix field, it was like, oh my god, I can't believe I ever set up an Apple TV with that goddamn four-way clicker thing. I'll stand by it. I mean, my big one of my, you know, I'm not going to say that. It's not okay. con- I wish I could have seen Steve Jobs just one time on stage. Just one time. You, you never saw him. And you live, you you live right there in San Francisco. Who cares? Who cares? What I care about was seeing Sweet. him. I wish I'd seen him. I'm not even talking like a military grade password. I'm talking a, like, like a somebody who takes CS classes level of password using the little clicker. Just, I'd like to see him enter lost into the search field. On iTunes, just 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 to watch him do that. Have you ever gotten your password right the first time with the four-way clicker? Oh gosh, that's the worst uh, thing. Well, because you know, he, but he's, you know, John Syracuse is sitting there with like eight iPod touches at his disposal, and I asked him uh, on Twitter. I, yeah, I said, well, you know, why he because he tweeted he tweeted that he had gotten his uh, TiVo remote to work with it. Yeah. You can with, do that. There's a, it's pretty hacky and it doesn't all work, but it works pretty well. And I said, well, what, what's wrong with like grabbing one of the random iOS devices that are sitting all over the place and just using one of those? And he says, you know, that he prefers physical buttons. Oh, so, I totally agree. The peanut yeah. remote is hard to drop. I mean, you know, after years of using that on the TiVo that I now despise, I, I do miss it. And for a while, uh, how do I say this? There was a time when I was having some... Anyway, whatever. I was on the beta for iOS 5 uh, <laughs> Lion and ATV. And so I was constantly restoring. And so it was pointless to try and, and like reset all that stuff because I was forever restoring. Do you know? Yep. Um, and so I, 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 I never rehacked. And finally, I, I undid, if for the sake of argument, I had hacked my ATV. I've now gone off that because the med- benefits... I used to think the benefit was there, but nowadays I'm just... I, there's enough that I can do now that I'm fine just using my Mac Mini for the dark side and doing everything mostly on the ATV. And now that you can stream your TV shows and movies, it's, it's pretty great. But um, I, was, I have to say, not in the jokey John Syracuse way, but I'm kind of surprised he didn't know that. Because that, it is a game changer to use that remote. And the way, you know what I love is also you get the little accelerometer, you know, vibration deal when it's focal, when it's in the field. Do you know what I mean? Yes, actually, Like it's yes. letting you know, hey, I'm the thing in your hand and right. you can type on me now. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think we've gone more than, I think, at least three times during just one episode of Clone Wars, we lose the remote. We've never not lost the remote. The place, you know where the remote goes? Wherever. Like, we don't know. The remote, it, it just slides into everywhere. You just, you can't find it. And then it's one of those things, it's like camouflage or something. Like, you scan the room, we never see the remote. It's always my daughter with the good eyes who has to like, do you know what I'm saying though? Yeah. Like that, that, you know, your house is immaculate, but uh-huh. in my house, like it could, it could be under a pile of bills or, 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 or something. We just don't see it. So 
I got most of what I wanted. And, I, and with the TiVo reprogramming, did you, you've had a TiVo before, right? Yeah, I have one now. And you like the peanut? Yeah, I mean, it, it, as far as remotes, physical remotes go, it's probably the best one I've ever used, but I wouldn't say I like it. Well, um, I, I started Do you like it? I adore it. And uh-huh. starting, and I, I agree with, I didn't hear the entire uh, hypercritical. Um, I think I heard almost all of it, but uh, I totally agree. Everything that he had to say about the remote and more. There's so much wrongness in the remote that I don't know where to begin. So I don't want to cut all this out, please, Dan. Okay, well, it's um, gone. But the five, this, what does he call it? Four-way, five-way? You know, the, what, do, what do you call it? It's five-way, right? Yeah, what do you sure. Call five-way, yep. You know, it's not your job to correct me. No, I don't... When you, when you got the four arrows in the clicky, mm-hmm. I think that's the technical term, yeah. uh, it's very, very easy to click the wrong thing. And in an interface that is that clicky, uh, it's the one thing where the Comcast, I think Comcast with the worst DVR in the world, which I had to use this weekend. One way they've got it on, um, you know, Apple, uh, certainly a way that uh, TiVo has something over Apple is the paging. It's a distinction between, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On, you, not everybody knows this on TiVo, I don't think. There's all kinds of things for your TiVo remote, the secret codes you can add and stuff. But a really obvious one that I think most people don't know about is page up and down. You know, on your Mac, you know, you can hit uh, arrow up, arrow down to change lines, and then you can hit page up, page down to go down a screen at a time. I think a lot of people don't know you can page through menus without going and having to hit every line. You know that, right? It's been a while since I had the TiVo plugged in. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, you know, we've got a 1080i TV. We bought it a really long time ago. I didn't, I didn't even know they made a 1080i TV, but... We got the software update to the ATV, and it's the best. It's just the best. I, you know, and the whole, like, I was at my uh, sister-in-law's, uh, and, and I watched, like, five episodes of Tim and Eric. I just pulled them down right, right there on my iPad. It was crazy. That's, I don't know. I think that's pretty disruptive. It definitely makes me much more inclined to buy these things if I don't have to store them anymore. Because I had them scattered over four devices. You know, have you done this in the past where you buy movies? and It used to be... Simple to the point of annoying that you had one like canonical machine for downloads. Wasn't that right? Wasn't there one that was like, make this my machine for downloading, you know, TV shows and stuff. Did that used to be the case? I think so. I think it was a default. You know what I'm talking about though. You'd say make this the main device for getting these. Well, obviously, you know, like a little, a MacBook Air or whatever, it fills up fast. Yeah, you don't want that to be the, the default. Well, and like with Clone Wars, depending on the device that it went to, suddenly now I've got an HD, I've got an SD, I've got an HDSD, I've got all these different versions all over the place that were not automatically wrangled. So, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a great step in the right direction. I'm still getting my head around a ton of stuff in iCloud. I still don't completely understand where things live, but it's an exciting time. Very exciting. So, so do you like your iPad? Are you excited? Uh, excited? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great update. I gave my wife uh, the iPad 2. That I had, mm-hmm. and while she was getting set up, I said, well, you know, if you buy an app in the App Store, it'll automatically go to your phone or your iPad or all three of them, you know, wherever you download it from, if you turn this thing on, mm-hmm. this, this little auto feature, it'll go to all of the devices. So it doesn't matter where you buy it, unless you don't want that to happen, but it, it's good to have it happen. She, You know, little things like that, like how iCloud, and, and for her, like PhotoStream, the idea that she can oh, yeah. she can be out with the, with the kids, snap a little picture, and it's on her computer, it's on her iPad, it's in the cloud, and she doesn't have to worry about syncing it up anymore. Like those kinds of things that for us seem pretty cool for her is like really awesome. 
Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm, that, that is no less diminished as magic to me. There's some parts of the automation that I think are still a work in prog- progress. Like I'm still not sure like if, I, if I've got all my pictures. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to probably change... Well, I was going to change who's the official iPhoto because you, know, you can only have like one official iPhoto box. You know what I mean? If you turn on iPhoto, if you turn on iCloud Stream or whatever the app it's called, CSF there, so you wouldn't have to cut it. Um, Appreciate Then that. it switches over. I want to make sure I'm not losing anything. I, I still don't feel like that's 100% transparent. And I'm still struggling to get some old devices synced with the right things. Um, but I, but um, but I do think it's I do think it's amazing. I mean, I'm I used to have to have uh, my working iTunes library for music alone was thirty gigs usually, and I backed that up pretty well. So you know, I'm usually okay comfortable removing things. But mm-hmm. again, which box has all this stuff on it? You know, I'll tell. You, here's the last thing on this because this is super boring. But I, I'm at a funny point now where I have two machines um, that are you know kind of important that aren't going to work with Mountain Lion. I let's say here, <laughs> um, my Mac Pro from I think 1968. Uh, it just I tried tried the you know the install and it went nope sorry not on this one. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know and I, of course do I dare put that on my you know 1942 Mac Mini at home? Yeah, I mean I have a like probably like a what a one comma two. I've got a very early Mac Mini running our stuff at home. And it's hurting all the time already, and it's on Leopard. It's not even on Snow Leopard, because it's a house of cards. So it's interesting. I didn't want to update my Mac Pro to Lion, but within a period of like three weeks, it became apparent that I was going to get left behind if I didn't do that. There was so much stuff, you know. Which I, I mentioned that just because it's annoying to me, but I think that's going to be something that a lot of casual users. I mean, like you and I, or you and me, or whoever, we're like, we're all comfortable playing around with this iCloud stuff. Yeah, that's all well and good. That's fun. The versioning thing, neato. But I think my sense is that it's not going to be that easy to hang back and just keep this old version for a while. You've probably talked about this with groups, but do do you know what I'm saying? I think if you want to benefit from having a new iOS device, you know, really benefit from that and not be stuck. If you want stuff like all this, the photo stream and stuff, like you're, You've got to go to Lion, and then you're probably going to have to go to Mountain Lion at some point. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. can't sit around with Leopard anymore and just have stuff go. You can't count on that anymore unless you're, you know, unless you have one canonical device that you're doing old style syncs with. And not to a lot of, not to, a lot of like, casual users are going to get pushed forward. Is what I'm saying. No, you're right about that, and that's something that has really changed. I think on a lot of levels because there used to be a time period when you only upgraded if maybe you were getting a new computer. You know, or if mm-hmm. if there was some application that event years later eventually came out that forced an upgrade, and of course in the Windows world, you can go out and buy an app today that still will run on Windows XP, which <laughs> Microsoft I believe has already stopped supporting. Which is amazing for them to actually stop supporting anything, but that's a tremendously old operating system, and. You know, on with with these updates and the way that they are, there are so many things that Apple is doing. I'm sure that there are some apps that you could get that would run on older. But if you want to get on the bandwagon of iCloud and the other things that in, in a lot of ways really do save you time and will help you work faster, smarter, like you're forced to upgrade. And there will mm-hmm. be machines that you own right now that that are going to be left behind in this process for the first time in a long time. And the weird thing is... You know, they they are going to be relegated to some kind of 
you know, it'll be like relics from a bygone era that just sit there that you're like, oh, yeah, I used to use it for that. And now I can't use it anymore because all of the stuff that I want access to, I can't get access to easily anymore. That's right. And Dr. Drang talked about this um, in a post a little while back about how um, I think it was his office. They have an old, it was a ridiculously old machine. I mean, I want to say like a 90s machine that just runs something like FileMaker on it. And I'll bet there's a fair number of, like a surprising number of cases of those hanging around. Uh, the classic example here is, you know, I don't want to say moms and dads, but people, you know, who aren't nerds, and, but the computer runs fine. You know what I mean? You, yeah. it's, uh, you know, um, I think, I don't know. I sometimes think that you kind of, you, there's definitely more incentive to upgrade often, it seems, in Windows. Because then, as a Windows user, didn't you just reinstall your system a lot as a thing? Not, 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 not oh, a yeah. slam, but didn't you just, wasn't that part of your workflow, was just reinstalling Windows yeah. sometimes? Periodically. Periodically. Yeah. Not necessarily so much with 3.1, but from 95, especially 2000, we, it was just it was something I would do every month, and I would dedicate wow. several hours a day to just wiping it and reinstalling it. It was just a normal, not not weird at all. And most of the other developers that I knew at the time, that's, that's just what we had to do. We did it all together once a month because things would get so screwed up. And as simple as you would try, and this is even before the days of like installing a ton of things from the internet, it just periodically you know every we'd have to reboot them all the time every day multiple times a day to just keep them running well how awful is that you remember that 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 was i absolutely do that was not so different from my world as a mac user in the mid to late 90s i mean there was a lot of voodoo a lot of this voodoo has been um well today let's put it this way people like zeldman and gruber will periodically remind us that you don't have to do all of these you know zap the pram type voodoo things to make a new update work, but there's some part of my computer user DNA or more properly Mac user DNA that's still suspicious or superstitious, let's say, about changing anything. So in addition to doing a backup, which is pretty sensible, uh, I still do stuff like I run, you know, like you do an FSDKFY, but like I use Applejack. Have you ever installed Applejack? Mm -mm, No. You want to keep that up to date if you're going to use it, but Applejack will let you run in single user mode in the same way you would. So right now on your Mac, if you have a modern Mac, Right now, it used to just be FSCK space dash F, but now, you know, if you start your Mac and it goes ding and you hit control S, you'll come up in a crazy looking black and white screen. Uh, you know, terminal type deal. Right. What would you call that? What's, what's the correct term? That single, we'll, single user mode? Single perhaps. user mode, but what would you call it? A command line interface, right? Yeah. If you type in at the point where you can type, you type FSCK space dash FY. I know you shouldn't do the Y, but uh, that will <laughs> look for and fix. <clears throat> any uh, disk problems, disk damage or whatever. Uh, I, th- I think Dash F will just find it and why... Anyway, go check your manual, Arnold Robbins. Sure. Uh, but now what I've installed is something called Applejack and I've used this for years and love it. And uh, if you ever run something like Onyx it's a little ki- or uh, Cocktail or any of those sorts of apps, it does a fair amount of that stuff that those apps do, which is things like, yes, check for disk damage, fix it if you can. Fix permissions um, and all of your stuff. Do all of the, the Unix, like nightly, weekly, monthly stuff, run all of those. Uh, delete all of the caches that you can, can and should delete. And so you can run Applejack. So you go into command. This is so boring, Dan. Why do you, why do you let me talk? I like this part. <sighs> run Applejack. And, uh, and at startup, you get Applejack. And you can Applejack, space... All caps auto space reboot. Click it and walk away. It'll run, and again, that's automated. It will run all of those without asking. It'll run all those tests for you. And when it's done, it'll restart. 
And uh, that, I, I do that sometimes just when I'm nervous about life. I'll just go run that. And just <laughs> sometimes before I do a podcast, if I sense in like, you know, it's got an hour before a podcast and it's being weird and like I must go appease the gods of Skype, uh, which, are, which are very bad gods. And so sometimes I'll just do that little thing. So you don't really need to do all that stuff anymore. But I, I'm so used to having to run. I mean, why am I telling you this? Because it wasn't just the world of Windows where this happened. You just ran Norton Disk Doctor a lot in the 90s. It's what you did. You know what I mean? It's just something you, on, a, on a Mac. I mean, you just had to do that a lot because you wouldn't see... Like today, I always tell my friends, like if you're seeing a lot of beach ball spinning, there's many reasons that can be. It could be because your hard drive is filling up, believe it or not. It's trying to find you know, space to do virtual memory stuff. But you know, in my experience, if you're getting the beach ball a lot on a fairly modern computer, there's a, pr- there's a pretty good chance you've got some minor bits of disk damage. In, I'll, I'll let the jackals tell me if that's true. But when, if you're getting a lot of beach balls, you know what, for once, yeah, it's true. Like restart and see how that goes. If it doesn't take care of that, then, then run like an FSCK or whatever. The other nice thing, obviously, about either FSCK or Applejack is that you don't need to run it from an external boot drive. You can't, in other words, as you know, Dan, you can't repair, uh, you can verify a disk that's running your OS, but you can't repair it. Can't repair it. That would be like, uh, be like your brain doing brain surgery on a on its, its own, own brain. Brain, brain, right. brain. Brains all the way down, Josh. <laughs> anyway, speaking of this wonderful new century, I'll tell you about something I like. I'd love to hear it. Have you ever heard about this byword? Do you know about this? Byword is byword. a text manipulator. Manipulator. That was a great link, by the way, to that <laughs> IBM text manipulation thing. That was a good link. You like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, a, there's an embarrassment of riches right now uh, for ways that you can edit text on your Mac and on iOS and presumably elsewhere. I guess there's things like Vim that you could use on your, uh, on your Deviant. Nobody wants to use that. <laughs> what do you say? They eat their they eat their young. Is that right? But you're not going to eat your. Ah, I got to tell you, but you're not going to eat your young with byword. Last thing in the world you're going to do. Byword is an awesome thing. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a great app. I've used it on the desktop for a long time. Uh, when I really want to just do good old fashioned writing, there's so much that I do in text files. That's what I would call notes or brainstorming or outlining or uh, like. To be honest, eighty percent of what I do. Well, really, <laughs> over 80% of what I do happens in a text file, no matter what device I'm on. But there's a lot of just kind of fiddly stuff. But when I'm ready to like sit down and write something that is writing, I pretty much always use ByWord. Sometimes I'll start in TextMate, but I often end up in ByWord because it is, well, let's use the phrase, it's, it's a distraction-free environment, which just means there's not a bunch of noodly stuff for you to dick around with, pardon my French. Um, but uh, that's not actually French. That's just an obscenity. It's not technically French. But it's, it's a terrific app. It has been a terrific app on the desktop, on the Mac, for just giving you a beautiful, a beautiful, simple way to have, uh, I think they do RTF, but I know for sure it does markdown, and it does multi-markdown. And we've talked before about why, one reason I love ByWord is if you're a heavy markdown user like I am, all the stuff that's not your words just recedes into the background. You know, all the pound signs for H's and all the um, asterisks for bullets and so forth, and you just really see your words, and it's smart. Right? Like a lot of good editors on your Mac, it's smart. It knows that if you're in the middle of a bullet and you hit return, you probably want another bullet. You hit return twice and it says, okay, I'm done with the bullets. It's terrific. Now, how about this? Now, ByWord is available for iOS with so many of those features built in. It is, it is officially my favorite writing app on iOS now. I, 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 use, I told you, Dan, I use a ton of different apps. And I, I, there's no reason to, to hide that here. <laughs> I, I love lots of apps. I want to tell you that ByWord is the app to use if you want to write like an adult on iOS. Because it does all of that great markdown stuff. I, I, there's some apps that I like a lot that will let you do things like macros. 
to handle Markdown stuff. There are some apps that are so distraction-free that they're barely, they barely even give you a keyboard. I think ByWord is a great balance of that. It has a very low-key extra keyboard at the top for doing Markdown-related stuff that just slides out of your way. And here's the neat part about this, is it works with Dropbox, like any good app, but I think this is the first app like this I've seen that works with iCloud. Oh, that's, so that's, now, a, that's awesome. There are a lot of people who are very interested in seeing iCloud work for something, you know, other than your, your calendars and contacts and stuff, your mail. So now check this out. You go into I, either on iPad, on iPhone, or on uh, ByWord for the desktop, and you can access all of your stuff. If you create a file on your iPad in, uh, in ByWord, and, and it goes into your iCloud, like, you know, seconds later, that's available on, it's on, on any of your iPhones, any of your iPads, and you can open that from right inside ByWord on your desktop, and all your stuff is just there. You can, of course, you can also do that little cool sneaky cheaty thing where you go to slash library mobile documents and so forth to actually see the actual documents. You know that trick, right? I did not you know, know that, like, that trick. All sinky, all sinky iCloud documents. All, all syncing, all dancing. All syncing, all dancing. Uh, home library mobile documents. And if you go into uh, tilde and then go to library mobile document slash mobile documents you'll see these little containers I, I don't think this is even nearly <laughs> officially supported by anything but go in and look and you'll see that many of your documents from iCloud are available in there yeah. I do not I'm not saying this is a recommendation you do not condone this behavior I do not condone or approve for any of those other words but this is dynamite, and I'll tell you what, how I'm using this right now. So first of all, this is available. This is new. This is literally literally featured on the Mac App Store right now. I believe right this second. You can go there and see in big letters that uh, ByWord is... Uh, it's like it's under staff picks, too. It's uh, is a really, really nice app. Um, folks like uh, DSparks and uh, Brett Terpstra and, uh, and others have been, have been highly lauding this because it is really a... Terpstra. You're better at it. I like yours better. But here's what's neat about this. I still use Dropbox for tons of stuff, but yeah. I've been trying this new thing with, now that I've got ByWord and have iCloud access, I'm trying something a little different, which is when I have to do long-form writing, I'm using, yeah, well, okay, if you want to call it distraction-free, that's fine. But I've made this little alcove for writing, which is called ByWord. And so now when I want to write long-form stuff, I go into ByWord to do that, and I use my iCloud account for that. So no, that stuff is not going to be available in my Dropbox everywhere. It sure could be if I wanted it to be. But in this instance, when I'm ready to sit down and write like an adult and make paragraphs, I go into ByWord, and it's all there. Um, and, you know, and I can do a lot of stuff like you know, along the lines of Chapter 1, Chapter 2, Chapter 3 type stuff. I can always suck all that together later with like an MMD merge or any of that stuff. The point is, if I want to sit down and write real stuff, I use ByWord. Uh, you don't have to be as tightly wound as I am about that, you can use this for everything because it can work with Dropbox. It can work with all kinds of great stuff. Um, it's a super, super easy, simple interface and I would really like you to try it out. Uh, so for right now on the Mac, as, as before, uh, best $99.99 you'll ever spend to buy it for the Mac. And if you're ready, get ready for this today, kids. If you go to byword bywordapp.com, you'll learn more about this. Uh, if you're ready to man up and get the iPhone slash iPad version, it is a universal... And guess what it's available for now? Don't even guess. Two ninety nine. Oh, for the iOS, two dollars ninety nine American. Jump change. Yeah, I, I think I think I hope to God he'll raise that later. I think he will. But uh, introduction. Why offer. would it be? That's weird. I guess the intro just to to get he better I, up it today. No, I know it's crazy. I mean, literally, we're literally putting him out of business by doing this. It's weird. George, George, George. I, I tried to call him Jorge, and I think he told me it was George. I prefer I, I prefer George. Oh, I like Jorge. You don't like Jorge? I knew a Jorge, and he was a jerk. 
He one time for fun, he took a big magic marker and wrote Jorge right across the his desk in class. Is that right? And he went to wipe it, you know, like if you were fast after you wrote something with a magic marker. Right. Like a with a, a Sharpie. If you're really fast, you'd wipe that thing and come right off. Mm-hmm. It didn't come off. The smear? Then it smeared and didn't come off. Well, if you write Jorge on your... Uh, I'm sorry, it's not even a segue. Anyway, I... <laughs> if you write right out. promo code you, Jorge. <laughs> there's no promo code. Oh. Just go and get this. Uh, Dan, you should, uh, you should get this too. It's really good. Um, it's... I've been using it for a long time. And as you know, um, a lot of people will tell you the first thing that they will tell you about ByWord, because this is a good thing if you like this, is that it is a quote unquote distraction for your writing environment. I am just here to tell you that I, I, that is true. That is good. I like it because it is a great writing environment. <laughs> I can handle my distractions. Thank you very much. I'm 45 and I'm okay dealing with what? the world. Yeah, no, it's true. A minute ago, you were 44. What's happening? Oh, it's, it's going fast. I've got that uh, Brad Pitt disease. Hmm. Hmm. I knew a woman once uh, who was a cashier and she called her, she said, Jenny, her name was Jenny. She's super cute. I said, oh no, come on, really, Jenny. Obviously you're French. What's your real name? And she said, jean Vive. I said, that's what you call you. So, so you, your, na- your name is, is, is jean Vive, but you ask people to call you Jenny. She says, actually, if people ask, I tell them to call me Genevieve. I was like, are you kidding me? If my name was jean Vive, I would never stop talking about it. I think, it's, I think it's pronounced Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. John Blue, you should get this by word. Um, is there anything else that I should say about this? No, I think I've said enough. If you like, if if you like the writing and and you know, it's funny that D Sparks he likes writing on his iPad. And by the way, the iPad version of this boy it really spreads out. It's real pretty. But what's weird is being able to take that uh, an iPad app and have it work well on iOS too, as well. Uh, I should say because uh, you know there's not nearly as much real estate. And uh, he's done wonderful stuff, like in that little low-key markdown and, and like formatting bar, there's a very low-key little hide-the-keyboard button that you get, you know, for example, on the iPad. And it just, it, it makes it super easy to get around. Anyway, I just think it's, I like it because it's super simple. There are, there are apps that do more, there are apps that, that, that cost more. <laughs> I just think it's a great low-key app, and uh, I do use it and love it. And I'm, I'm really thrilled that this got pushed out. I, I've... Hmm, known about this kind of as a thing for a while, and I'm very happy it made it out. So please go to bywordapp.com, pick up Byword for uh, iOS and for your Mac. Uh, and we thank Byword uh, and uh, Metaclassy uh, for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Boom. Boom. It's really good. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Uh, I wasn't even going to act like I knew what you meant. Is that, uh, is that Doggy Snoop Snoop? Is that I think who so. that song? I think it is, yeah. He's a very gifted man. Hi, Z. Mm, he, he's gizzizzle vifted. <laughs> is, that, is that Yiddish? Am I speaking Yiddish? It sounded more Yiddish than usual. Ah, that's a, the show on public radio. Hello? Welcome to more Yiddish than usual. If that makes you happy. Um, Can't be that bad. So, I got my daughter saying that now. I got her doing the Van Hoot thing. It's really funny. My four-year-old daughter sometimes says, Sue. No, it's really funny. Can you get it on tape? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. That's Jamie Phelps. It's really funny. It's really funny. All right. Uh, what are you going to talk about today? What's your, what's, your, uh, what's your deal? Are we already talking about stuff? Is this already talking? Yeah, this, is, this is most of the show is done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had, I had topics. I had Let's topics. hear them. We're not going to talk about it. We should probably just talk about computers. But uh, 
Um, Once in a while, we it seems like we just naturally fall into a computer show. I think what we've naturally fallen into is we shuck and jive for 30 minutes, 43 minutes, and then uh, we settle into the part that's good where people are mad that we didn't just go straight into that. Yeah. You're going to warm ask, up. You should ask me how much that bothers me. How much does that bother you? You should ask me sometime. Okay. You should ask me if I'm real worried about that. Are you really worried? After dark. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a sneaky peek. Uh, I am not. Peek it up. Sneaky peek. Sneak it in. You seen that? You see that Twitter account uh, that corrects people? Is it called Hot Dogs Ladies? Sneak peek. Yeah. What's it called? There's, a, there's an account on Twitter. There's a bot that just watches. For, when, anytime anybody has a toot, it says sneak and, and peek as P-E-A-K. And it just responds by saying, I think you mean sneak peek. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I wanted to return to an idea from a while back okay. um, that came up in passing that, uh, that in talking to people that I do stuff with has had some uh, strange amount of traction. And I wanted to see if it has traction with you too. Okay. Where's my two ideas? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had three ideas. Well, the main one I want to talk about is uh, office culture, but office culture uh, as child rearing. The idea that uh, a lot of times we, we, we really want to keep, we want to maintain culture. You've heard this term, certainly. We want our culture to stay the way it's been here. We want things to be good. And I wanted to talk about, uh, talk a little about that in the context of doing uh, parenting stuff, because I think it's really relevant. So if we bring in Buddhism markdown, we can definitely lose everybody. <laughs> okay, good. I'll keep that in mind. Has Is it I- Stealth Mountain? The Twitter? Oh, you know what? I think it, I think it is. Because uh, uh, Swilliams just says, oh, it's, I think this is Stealth Mountain, and it says, I alert Twitter users that they have typed sneak peek when they meant sneak peek. I live a sad life. Yeah, go to twitter.com slash Stealth Mountain. It's in the show notes. It delights me. just delights me. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I came very close to, to writing a bot for somebody on the internet once. Let's see it. No, I can't do it. Let me fork the code. Somebody, well, wish somebody would fork it. I just, I just, uh, there's a, there's a person who I'm, I'm, I guess, what acquainted with, friends with, and a, a, every time he toots some of his incredibly wise wisdom, I just, I just wanna, I just wanna have a toot that says, at your name here, thank you, you are very wise, and I just want that every time, every time he types anything. I don't, I don't care if he's talking about his goddamn lunch. I wanted to say that. That gets under my skin. People, am I right? Culture as child rearing. Uh, was the other one? I had one note here. Who's the real problem here? Hmm, that's an interesting topic. And the other one was uh, the, the three levels of improvement inside of a, a company. Hmm. These are very general. The culture is child rearing. We can talk about any of those or none. Or we could talk more about uh, Applejack. A is for Apple, J is for Jack. Do you remember the culture is child rearing discussion? Is that like car- cargo cult? Cargo culting? Is that the same thing? No, not the word, word Cunningham thing, I think. I don't know it. I was... Um, visiting with a company a few weeks ago, uh, a very, very cool company. And the, one of the reasons that the guy had brought me in to this company, and it was for no particular reason, but it was a guy, and uh, was that it, it's one of those, you know, there's so many companies that are so full of themselves about how great their 
culture is, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I have these phone calls all the time with places that are like, well, why don't you come in and talk to people and uh, make everybody good at their email and productive? And even if it's like really something good that they're acting, uh, consistently you hear people say, but, you know, we want it to be really tailored. Uh, for our group, because the culture here is uh, is really uh, literally unique, and the kinds of things. So you know, we'd want you to like, you know. And I was like, well, <laughs> my favorite way to lose that particular gig is to go. Well, you know, what your real problem is is thinking that you're really different. That's your biggest problem. Your <laughs> your problem isn't that you're different. The problem is that you're not different. Everybody's the same. If you go ask people what's wrong inside of a company, so many people will tell you the same kinds of things. I frequently think that I am taking crazy pills, and that I make all this stuff up. And that I'm just really being unnecessarily dramatic, melodramatic about these cultural work issues. And then I go to companies or I talk to people with jobs and it's staggering how I'm not even 10% of the way there to how crazy most companies are on the inside. Once you've been in a place for a couple of years, the kind of stuff we talk about on this show, it just makes people want to sit at their desk and cry. It's real. It's really, really real. Yeah. And, and as, as we talked about on countless episodes, one that comes to mind is uh, that Brick Building Full of Lies episode about priorities. There, there's something crazy-making about having to live inside of a culture that, that has cognitive dissonance built into it. The kind of culture where the kind of folks who make pronouncements about the company say things with 100% confidence and authority and clarity of vision that every single person in the company knows is total BS. It's, and, it's, and it's, sometimes that's just the cost of doing business. You know, sometimes that's just the sort of, um, who said this, Bob Garfield and his thing about Mike Daisy. You know, there's the big lies and the little lies. Like saying, you know, pointing out that someone's ugly baby is actually extremely cute. That's the kind of small lie we can live with. Um, the culture stuff is complicated because I think it is a lot like raising a child. And um, can I explore this a little bit? Yeah, it'd be very good. Here's what I specifically said to that guy. So we were out having this really nice dinner the night before my talk thing. And, and he was, uh, we were drinking. And he was uh, just being super honest and sincere. And like, it's, it's so, Dan, it is so nice to meet people who aren't all screwed up. It's so nice to p- meet people who really actually do care intensely and aren't insane. And I wish I could say that that's 80% of the people that work in companies, but it's really, really not. Well, if it's the 80% in the rank and file who've learned to just, you know, agree that up is down, like that can be fine. But it's, there's a staggering number of people and director, I'm sorry, this is why I don't get work, but there's a staggering number of people in positions at director level and higher who are completely out of their gourd and they think they're getting better and better and better at what they do. So it's really, really nice to go in and work with a company where the people do care a lot about the thing that they make in this case, the community of people that they make this for. And in the case of this group, the fact that they make tools that people they admire use, which makes these people in turn admire them. I know this sounds like something from another planet, but this, there are companies like this. And so we're sitting there and this guy's like, you know, we used to be this small company. Like last year we held this meeting in a hotel suite and this year we're here in a ballroom. Like we're growing fast. You know, there, there are companies here in town that, that we know the name of that are, that are growing at like they're doubling in a year and then doubling the next year. It's like, how do you not have that culture fall apart? And, and, and what is the culture that people want to maintain? Well, at a smart company like the one this fellow was at, you say, hey, look, you know, we, we really do walk the walk here. Like from the beginning, we have worked hard and cared a lot and been willing to be wrong. And it's turned out really great. 
right? Just to distinguish here, we're not talking about the whole like let's go buy bagels for everybody and act like we're innovators. We're, it's, a, it's about saying we're we as people who use the kinds of tools that we're selling, we care intensely about making something great and we want it to get better and better. But you think think about any company you've ever worked at when it's growing even a little bit. It becomes like geometrically more complicated as you bring people in. It becomes harder and harder to sustain the culture. Again, back to the mythical man month, you start having to get people up to speed on stuff that seems really obvious, basic muscle memory stuff, right? I mean, even if you know how to use uh, Git the way we use Git, like you, you may not know the coding standards the same way. You may not, you may not understand the kinds of problems we've solved in the past. You may not understand. Well, two, let's take two examples. Hey, you know what? At 4 o'clock on Friday, we go home, and we actually really don't expect people to respond to emails over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, you know what? We say we all go home at 4 o'clock on the weekends, but you damn sure better answer email on the weekends. Like, how do you know which of those is true until you've been screwed up and gotten that wrong? And then you get 10 people who come in and get screwed up and have gotten that wrong, and suddenly there's a bunch of people with beers going like, well, who are all these new people and why don't they get the culture? Well, there's not a culture machine, right? There's not a box of culture that you can go out and buy. There's not a can of culture that you can spray onto your company. Your culture is the thing that you can't even tell is there. Culture is what does not, to be, does not need to be put in a memo. Culture is not what you can put on a sign. And culture is not something you can hire some, some dick from San Francisco to come out and fix. Culture is what's there. And in talking to this guy and his, his really heartfelt concern about trying to keep this a cool place to work, I was hearing all the right things, right? I, 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 was, not, I was not hearing a ridiculous amount of anxiety. In this case, they didn't worry about attrition because people didn't quit this job. They really liked it, right? You, you didn't hear people, you didn't hear the worry about like things becoming too costly because they already spent really generously and it worked out. It was something much deeper and cooler than that, which was this has always been a really neat place to work and I don't want this place to stop being a neat place to work. Certainly, it must have something to do with the continued success of the company. But the guy whose job it is to take care of this, I want this to have have the same spirit as when this truly was a startup. And we sat in a room together and worked on this. So on different levels, you know, for good reasons, for bad reasons, for I think this is something a lot, a lot, a lot of people struggle with. And I think for myself, one of my challenges in trying to help people at a, and this just gets to the three levels thing, because this always ends up coming up for me, the three levels the problems tend to happen at. Um, so just in, in brief, like I can try and help you with whatever you want to do. At the first level, like it's not actually that, that hard to learn better tactical work, to learn better defensive driving. It's not that hard. If we spend two days ago together, I can hopefully get, get it into your head that there are tactics you can do for getting quote unquote better at email. I can do that. Like I can help you not get your car hit on the highway. That is surprisingly easy and to me surprisingly unsatisfying because if you haven't figured it out yet, your real problem is not email. Your problem is other people. And that gets you to the second level. The second level is what happens at a team and if you like even like a company level. Like what are the, if I get you really good at email, what, what about that culture writ small, right? What, does everybody agree on what the rules of the road even are here? Because if I come in and teach 10 people in this one team to get really good at doing their email like an adult, they might get fired the next week because they were not part of that train wreck culture of email inside the rest of the company. Which ultimately gets us to the third and arguably most important level, the highest level of the culture, which is what is really here, what is rewarded by the people at the top, what are people doing 
at the top and the middle, especially compared to what are they saying is happening. So we say we want this culture to stay the same, but then we keep throwing people at a problem. You know what I mean? You, you ever got that, Dan? Like we, we say we Just want adding this. more, more people to solve something. Yeah. Yeah. And stacking, I, them up, like, uh, stacking them up like logs in the basement. Yeah, we should. I mean, I should probably finish reading this book someday. But this is the mythical. I, th- I think you. I don't think you need to. Mythical mammoth. You write the book. I could. I could. But I mean, it's funny that it was it was true in what the mid to late seventies, and it's still true. If you add people to a late project, it makes it later. If you and, and like, just let's put it even more simply than that. If, if you add a, a bunch of people to a poorly defined project, it makes it later. <laughs> and certainly, if you add people to an under budgeted project. It's going to be later. I think I said this on this show. I can't remember if it was here or somewhere else, but you know, yeah, it was, you know what it was? It was in talking about why we like Squarespace. And uh, the point when somebody says to me, hey, can you help us migrate this over to the shared server account? And the the phrase, (laughs) I really wish you had invited me to a much, much earlier meeting. Right. Because <laughs> you're, because in a lot of these cases, when you're solving, and th- these are really cultural problems. Yes, they yeah. can be technical problems. Yes, these can be ops. These can be employment or uh, employee problems. But ultimately, it's a cultural problem because you're still kind of trying to either solve an old problem or you're trying to bring yourself back to some reality uh, that hasn't existed for a long time and maybe didn't really exist the way you think it did years ago. And so, why do I say that? Well, if you're getting to the point where your company's growing so fast, you've got to keep up. I don't know, maybe you've got more pro- maybe you're pushing out more products more regularly, and so you just need a lot of bodies. That's reductive, but you know what I mean? You need more coders, let's say. Right. You need more QA people. A lot of companies need suddenly wake up one day and they, they wake up one day and they suddenly realize they need so many more people in support. And I, I, I just I can't even tell you how many of my friends' companies that started out as a few. Tech folks making a thing suddenly became a company that's a whole lot of customer support and a few developers, like crazy, like five to one. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you start out in a company, once you become like a web service or once you become like an app that that a lot of people are buying, a staggering amount of your resources go into see uh, in a customer service, and that's not a problem people are used to solving. So what happens? You bring in a bunch of brand new people who don't know that much. This is not their fault, <laughs> and so everybody that was there when the culture was quote unquote great looks at this problem differently. A bunch of people at the top go, oh my gosh, we're getting so, you know, we're spending so much money on all this customer support. Do we really need this? The tech people are going, hey, like since when, uh, you know, do we need to start changing the scope and features of our products based on people calling in on the phone? You see where I'm going with this. There's no simple angle for fixing this, but there is one simple angle, angle for getting it extremely wrong. And it's, this is where it becomes like parenting. If you're trying to make the culture of your company, your team, your group, your family, if you're trying to make that culture not suck, you first have to be, you first have to accept that culture, if, if it exists, is a living thing. Culture is not a snapshot in time that you can hold up and then trace. Culture is, as they say, what it is. And it may be true. It may have been when your, when your company started up and the two of you were sitting at the, at the uh, Starbucks you know, coding, like that's a really different culture than a company that now has a hundred people in support alone. And so, like I said to this guy, and like I say to all my kids nowadays, <laughs> um, are you, are you sure about what the culture is that you want to preserve? And are, are you sure that's even possible? Is it even possible to recreate the conditions 
of your company when it started. And I think a lot of people would say it is. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be reductive and I'm not trying to be like straw man here. But I, I mean, I always make the joke about buying bagels or whatever, but it's true. You might think that like, let's look at it this way. When you start your company, let's say you got five people and there's a great overflow between what y'all do. Some of you are doing, um, you know, like engineering deep, you know, stuff. Some of you are doing development and maybe even a little design, but the design people are also maybe even doing a little bit of support. Like when you start out, everybody's grabbing a broom, right? Well, first of all, you've got clarity of vision. You have limited resources. You have all the stuff that really compels you all to work together or you walk. Like if you can't make it in that environment, you probably shouldn't be there. And that becomes self-selecting, right? If somebody can't take it, they decide to have a life and can't work 90 hours a week. Well, they'll leave, but that makes the rest of you stronger, right? That's a culture that's forged in a certain kind of fire. But then what happens? You add people, you add more people, you add more people. Is there any, is, is there any sanity to trying to, per, to create, recreate, let alone preserve that original culture? And I think that's where we go wrong. And that's why I think it's like parenting. So what I said to this guy, and I can't believe it, I was eating a steak and, and drinking uh, bourbon, so I can't believe this even came out of my head, but it felt, it felt, felt right. Because I, I said, I said with my daughter, like right now my daughter is four, and I just, in a million years, I can't imagine her being any cooler and more fun than she is right now, right? I, I, I you know, I, I wish I could bottle this. I don't want to freeze it necessarily, but I wish I could decant it in tiny bottles that I could open for the rest of my life. <laughs> I feel the same way, though, about her being one. I feel that way about her being two, two and a half, three. I look at these snapshots I've taken of her over time, and I go, oh, that was amazing. That's like, she needed me in this way, and we communicate. Each one of those is like so special and so important. And, and I hope to God I feel that way when she's five and eight and even nine and 10 and 12 and 16 and 30, and if I'm lucky, 50. But the worst thing I can do in the world is try and take any one of those snapshots and call that culture. I can't say this photo equals Eleanor. How do I get her back to this? Because it's not her job to be that snapshot. And it better not be my job to try and encourage her to be that snapshot. And I've, I might be getting this wrong, but that, that when that occurred to me, it, first of all, it was very uh, emotional for me to think of it that way. But that, people can be that emotional about their company. You've, put your, you've poured your blood into this company. You remember the days when there was never hard feelings because you punch each other in the nose by the end of the day, then come back and work together again. You had a process that worked because there were only five or ten of you. And that goes away. I mean, Dan, don't you, don't you crave the day where you could, like, you could lay a kid in a crib and it would sit there without escaping? <laughs> in my case, I crave a day when my wife could like feed my kid on the plane and she'd fall asleep. Right. We can't do that anymore. That would be super creepy. <laughs> but boy, there's times where I, that was, I didn't realize how good I had it then. Well, we've never had that. Damn. I don't know how you do it. Me neither. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about something I like, but I want to, that's the stake in the ground I want to make for this one is that uh, until I am persuaded otherwise, I think that the culture of a company can be looked at in the same way as the relationship that a parent has with a child. If you're somebody who is in a position to have influence over this, yeah, you're absolutely the person who should remember why this was great. But you should also remember that as much, think about all those things I just said, all those memories, how she talked to me, how I thought about her, how I took this picture of her. You know what? Nobody cares. I'm just the dad, right? She's the important one. She's the one that needs to turn into something awesome 
And my job is to get the hell out of what hell out of the way and quit trying to make her be something that I think she should be, or I think she should have been, or I wish she still were. Because that's the way you crush a kid, and that's the way you crush culture. Is you make it all about you and your memories and your emotional attachments instead of getting the hell out of the way and proactively trying to make the kind of culture that's going to be great for everybody, but not by interfering and trying to have platitudes about what a two-year-old should do when she's 12. (laughs) You just got to get out of the way. That's my thesis that I'd like to come back to. Am I moving you at all? Is this moving? Yes, I'm engrossed in this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like this. I need your help on this next one. This is the thing I like. I don't know. I, I do need your help on this one because you've been you've been really killing it with this uh, these friends of ours lately. Do you know about this thing called Squarespace? You heard I, of this? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do know about that. I well, for, first of all, I just want to say because we didn't talk too much about this that I've been really enjoying your spots. You know, I've been enjoying I'm enjoying how you've been telling people what they really, really need to know about Squarespace, which gets lost in my rants. Which is what I don't think that it does get lost in your rants because if anything, I think that you you're able to encapsulate or at least what I'm going for when I talk about it is the the Merlin approach, Mm -hmm. which is why would somebody care? They already have a website. Why, why do they care about this? They can go to that, you know, the wordpress.com thing and just have a free one there or Blogspot or whatever. I don't know whatever the kids use. Why, why go with something like this? Why? Yeah. Jekyll it. I'll tell you why, because it's going to save, and this is what we talk about getting back to work, right? This is going to save people time. It's going to save people time. It's going to save them money. It's going to save their clients time and money. And this is one of those things that people I don't think think about enough. I don't think that they think about it enough. I don't think that they plan for it enough. And that is you build a website for yourself or for a client and you start out and you have this great idea. You say, oh, I'm going to build this great site. You do this all the time, Merlin. Of course, you're doing it on Squarespace, but <laughs> you come out with a new site every 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, I've done three since we started. Isn't that weird? And you still yeah. haven't looked at that picture I sent you. Sorry. And people, they, they think, well, I'll launch this site. And then as soon as it's launched, they think, oh, well, you know, I've got I've to spend time maintaining it. I've got to spend time adding. Oh, they, now the client wants Twitter integration, so I've got to figure out how to do that. And is it secure? And what about the hosting? Where are we going to host this? What if the thing gets really popular and we'll have to move hosts? And of course, they'll call me or I'll have to do it. These are all things that people don't think about initially when they're first starting out. When they're first starting out, they just have a great idea. Squarespace lets you have that great idea and makes it so that you don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. It just happens. Oh, your site got linked by Daring Fireball and uh, CNN in the same day? Who cares? <laughs> I don't care. You better stop what you're doing, FTPN, SF, excuse me, SFTPN, right. and start loading a whole bunch of different cache plugins and then trying to, <laughs> them to see which one doesn't work, provided that you haven't pegged your CPUs up to 20. Let's just say for the sake of argument, I pegged three CPUs at over 10 several times running a certain popular... Exactly. You might not even be able to. You might not be able to SFTPN in time to go do that. That's right. Not FUD, but I'm. But you're absolutely right. You. But that's the point you've been making on some of the other programs. I don't listen to any other shows, but you've been making that point really well. That this is this is also about saving your your, your time and money. But it. But uh, so so Squarespace.com. Uh, you know, it's worth checking out because it reminds me of my uncle, my late father's uh, brother. Uh, who who was, um, gosh, he was really ahead of the curve in a bunch of things. He was a tinkerer. He really liked tinkering with cars. Uh, he, he had tinkered with uh, bicycles and motorcycles. This is in the 50s and 60s. But uh, something that this reminds me of with, with my uncle, um, my uncle loved taking old Jags and like fixing them up. 
You know, now I don't know a lot about English cars, except that they generally don't run. <laughs> this is this is the thing. If you buy an English car, it's mostly something that you know. You mean like a, a, like a Peugeot? It's a sink for wrenches, really. Metric wrenches, I assume. You spend a lot of time. If you buy an MG, right? You buy an Austin Healey. You buy a Jag. You better also be a person who really enjoys, like enjoys, not is annoyed by, but enjoys that. I had a friend who had an Austin Healey Sprite. And, and in addition to apparently having a death wish, he really enjoyed tinkering with that. And he could. He, he could get his hands on every piece of that. But you know what my uncle also had was a VW Beetle which he could also tinker with if he wanted to. He could just pull out some scissor jacks and grab the engine out of it. But, but it was mainly incredibly reliable. <laughs> it was simple to use. It was really easy. And although it smelled a little bit like gas sometimes inside, that didn't mean that he couldn't still go work on his Jag. Like his Jag was fun to work on, but if when he needed to get the family to the Dairy Queen, he pushed them all into the, into the <laughs> VW. Right. And I, I think that's not dissimilar. And can I just say for the sake of argument here, Squarespace does not smell like gas. That's a freebie, Ryan. And this is why I think it's worth looking at for you um, and your friends. And, and, and now that we make this, this plea to people every week to look at squarespace.com slash back to work, we, uh, I'm learning more and more people that I never knew were using Squarespace because <laughs> I couldn't tell there's, like, what CMS they ran. That's how good it looks. Right, and that, that's something that's critical is a lot of the time you can go and you, you know right away, oh, that this guy's using WordPress or oh, that's a Tumblr, you know, whatever it is. At this, you have no idea because it, it, you, can do, you can do it whatever you want. Yes, they have templates or templates, as you say. Templates, yes. But you don't have to use them. You can customize it. And that's the thing. If you go to squarespace.com and you look at their, their gallery there, none of those sites look like each other. They all look different, and it just shows the flexibility of the platform. So, yeah, we would like you to go to squarespace.com uh, slash back to work and give this a, a, a shot. Or, you know, send that, send that link to some of your, <clears throat> some of your pals who, uh, as much as they may love their Austin Healey, um, are ready to, to pick up. You should mention other brands. Yeah, don't, don't mention them. Reliable car. Hi, um, Squarespace.com. And you know what this is? This is, oh boy, it's already, the, it's already late in the month, uh, the month of three. The month? The month of three. Did you know that? I did, I did know that. Hmm. Hmm. And we have a special. This is a crazy special. I don't, I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, it's, it, it's not, it, well, it's not true. It feels like it, it, we're lying to people no, when we talk about it. We should, I want to hear more about it, maybe for AD. I want to hear if you actually met Lil Ryan. I, 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 I've seen toots from people who met Lil Ryan. One person said he was instantly identifiable at the busy South by Southwest food truck literally by his hair. He was so young and so handsome that people just could walk right they, up to him. They knew him. That's right. Just knew who it was. Yeah. His mom doesn't like him to be around people, though. Very little. You ready for this? Go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Sign up and you will get 30%, 30%, which is a lot of percent for three months. Up until <sighs> you'll be deep into the month of six. You'll be 19 deep into six at the time. 30% off. And uh, we have, we have a, uh, an offer code for this. Did you know that? Uh, I think it has something to relate to this show in some way. Did you know that I sometimes ask you uh, questions that I know you know the answer to? No, I, sometimes I feel like you're, you're testing me. How does that make you feel? Like I should be prepa- more prepared. Like I'm unprepared. Like I'm in high school. Button it up. One word. Button it up. No spaces. There's no space in button it up. And you will get, use that as your offer code, 30% off for three months. 30%. Hold on. Hold on. 30% on. off. Three for months. three months. Every month. Mm-hmm. What about the second month? There's no tricks. The second month of the three? Yeah. Hang on. Let me Still check. 30% off. Hang on, I just need a second. Are you emailing David Sparks? Three <laughs> months. <laughs> percent 
Yep, 30% off three months. The second month, you also get 30% off. There's no tricks here. No salesman will call. No motorcycles after 3 p.m. Go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Uh, offer code button or not. And we thank uh, Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and back to work. I wish I could whistle better. Do you ever meet old men that can whistle? You mean, uh, sometimes I've been in urinals and heard old men whistling. I've just been so envious. It's, well, it's awkward because you don't want to enjoy it in that situation. Why? Because it's, you shouldn't enjoy anything in a public restroom. Is that right? Not at all? No. What about your own sense of self-relief? Hmm. You shouldn't you know enjoy anything in a public restroom. You know what I say? I think it's World War, World War II and prostate. I think World War II, most people learn to whistle, and then uh, it takes them a while to, uh, to get it out. And so they whistle probably a show tune, maybe something from Hello, Dolly. I actually heard a different reason for that. And, and, from, and from here, is, here is the reason. Here okay. is the reason. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, men, are so, somewhat pee-shy, if you've P-shy heard that is term. the phrase. That's right. I wasn't going to use it. Pee-shy. 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 P-I-S-H-I. I'm a terrible R&B artist from the 80s. Or 90s. Pee-shy, shy. Touch, touch. I do I. I do I. And they are maybe perhaps a little bit challenged for one reason or another when it comes to urinating in public. So a little whistle is supposed to help with that. I've they never got a, tried they this. Got a, they, got a, they got a coaxy whistle. Yeah, they coax it and it coaxes it out. And it apparently this is something that was taught during wartime. So perhaps that generation of people came out of the wartime mentality and learned this trick because if you're a soldier, mm-hmm. you don't have the luxury of privacy ever. You ever heard that thing from World War One three on a match? I know you don't smoke, never have, but, but when you light a match, you're not supposed to let three people light their cigarette off of a match because they say that's bad luck. You light a match, you bust a joint out. That's right, you bust a joint out. <laughs> the other ones you couldn't even sit on. And you know why? Because, that, it turns out, that comes from World War One. Three in a match was bad luck because if you kept something lit for that long, Jerry could put you in his sights. Ah. So I'm, I, don't, I don't know here. As you know, I'm not a historian. I like the um, idea that it's, it's just a given that everybody's smoking cigarettes in the... In the uh, they used to give them away. You yeah. know that, right? Yeah, they'd be yeah. in your little ration kit. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so here's the thing. If you're standing up and urinating, you're not only not shooting back at Jerry, no offense, but you're standing up. Right, you would have as little time as possible standing up. And if I may say, especially with uh, GI Joe in your hand, if you know what I mean, you want to limit that. So you let out a little whistle, you do a little Crosby, you speed things up a little bit, and then you give a little kegel at the end. For Uncle Sam. Uh, we should uh, wrap up soon. We're into hour six. Actually, we're not too bad. Yeah, we're a little bad. We're a little long. <clears throat> I sat there with that guy, eating one, eating one of the great steaks of my life. It was this place they do like you should go there, Dan. They they make like it's almost like like variety meats. They do all it's a butcher store that's also a steak place. It would blow your mind. It was so good. Wow. Yeah, my steak had another steak on it. It's called Meta Steak. Larry Wall. <laughs> uh, I need to learn the names of more more uh, people who uh, Guido Steak. It's indented. <clears throat> when I said that, though, I found myself sitting there. I saw his eyes eyes light up. My eyes lit up. We both got a little teary, and I was like, see, there's the problem. This is the problem. In the same way that I wish my kid would still 
Like now she's into Batman. So now she wants to play Batman. She wants to play Star Wars. Even, and you know, and then she'll go, you know what? I don't want to play Batman. I want you to read me this book from when I was little. And like, it's every day is just crazy fun when I'm not wanting to throw her out a window. But there's something about that that, that, that grabbed me because I'm a, whatever, I'm a dad and I'm a softie and I think about this stuff. But I am also incredibly obsessed with why it is so hard to keep your company from getting stupid. So, I mean... I'd like to know what you what you think of that, uh, if it even makes sense. But companies can be a little bit like a kid. It's hard to force them to do anything. And uh, we sometimes find ourselves uh, spending time on, on, on maybe not the, not, not the most productive things to try and keep them good. What, you can address that you, from any standpoint that is sensible well, to you. Well, I have a question for you. Yes. When does a company stop functioning as a a group of people and start taking on its own identity, which of course leads to the culture. I mean, if, if mm-hmm. there's two people that doesn't necessarily feel like it's a company, even three people, but at some point there's some kind of change that takes place where it then mm-hmm. flips and becomes this, this thing that, has almost a life of its own, a mind of its own, a presence of its own, and a culture surrounding it. And it, does it does it require a certain number of people to be in that situation? Do you know what I'm saying? Because to mm-hmm. me, that's what leads to this this kind of thinking that you've been describing, uh, where there is a culture, and you could even be in a situation where you could say, "What happened to our culture?" It's a great question and it has a, a, a complicated answer that leads us to a great trick question, which is we're, if we're at the point where we say, okay, when did this go from being, in your case, you're asking a really good sort of answerable question, which is when does a company go from being a bunch of people into seeming like this big entity that's its own thing? It's not the people who made it anymore. Now it's this corporation or whatever. And what's, what's funny is like that point can certainly... I think a lot of people would agree that there are certain events in the life of a given company where things changed. And I'll throw out some examples. Uh, When we finally hired somebody to do the money, when we finally hired someone to do accounting and books, that's a pretty early thing for a lot of people. When we finally hired a manager to run the office, a huge one, Uh, like when we finally made our first significant change in the space we work in. So maybe they got a bigger place. A lot of companies, like they, they rented the office next door and opened a door, right? Um, you know what I mean? It, 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 there could be lots of things. It doesn't have to be anything dramatic as like they <clears throat> they brought in, uh, you know, uh, oh my God, what's the name of Alec Baldwin's character? What's his name? Downtown from, from Mitch and Murray downtown. What's, his what's my name? name? F.U. What's is my name. name. Well, if you bring in, <laughs> it doesn't even have to be something that dramatic, but in, in retrospect, I think a lot of people, you can look back, and we all have these events in our own life where we go, oh, wow, in retrospect, that seems like I didn't realize at the time that that was really important. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I think in a lot of companies, there are these widely acknowledged, like that's when things for better or for worse, like that's when we became more of a company. And for a lot of my friends' companies, it really was, I've heard a lot of my friends' companies talk about like who was their first employee, which sounds weird because you think there's already employees. Well, at first, you don't even have a concept of employee. And, um, you know, some, I'm trying to think of places like Adaptive Path, too, with Jeff Fien, Adaptive Path and, um, you know, Small Batch, later, you know, Typekit and so on. Like those kinds of groups or, um, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> when I did my, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, and Ev brought me into Odeo to do a talk about getting things done. 
um, when it was just Odeo and they were over in the cannery. And I think there were maybe 12 people working there. This is back, of course, before Twitter, <laughs> when it was just, when it was still like a, a podcast um, startup. But it was, uh, it was, I, if it was more than 15 people, I'd be really surprised. It was like Ev and Noah and Jason and Biz and Jack and like all those characters were there and, and Dom and like all those people that you know from, you know, Twitter and stuff. But they, back then they were still, this was before the iTunes thing happened. But even then, I mean, <clears throat> clearly, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Clearly, there's the, the sense of like, okay, there's Ev and the other people from Blogger who are right. working there. But I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't get the sense that there was like a class structure. I mean, everybody was there working on something important. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a job. I'm going to cough. Hi, that should be better. Um, there, wasn't like, there wasn't like a structure. Like the last thing that you want in a small company is to sit around making org charts. You only do that when you got time to BS around and hire people to make org charts. You don't do that when your company's small. But then maybe, I don't know, I can't tell you what it was for Ev and Odeo. Maybe it was getting their lunch eaten by iTunes, where they turned into Twitter. Yeah. Maybe it was when Twitter went into this place. I mean, you look at Square right now. I visited Square like a while back, and it's, it's staggering <laughs> how much square footage they have. It's really, really crazy, like how fast that company has grown. So I think everybody has that. But, but here's, here's the part that maybe makes it a little weirder, uh, is that there are different points of view from inside the company, both about when things, not even once, but when things have changed in the company, when we turned a corner for better or for worse. But I'll bet you, once you get above four or five people, people are, are going to have really different views about when that was and whether it was good or bad. Because, because of what they do and what, what their viewport into it is. This, the, the trick ending, the, the surprise, the Shyamalan ending to this is that um, things change way before you realize they've changed. Things change all the time. It's just that if you're in a startup or you're in a small group, I said this to somebody today, I emailed somebody today about the, the you, know, you Look Nice Today thing. Um, well, I'll tell you, I edited, I, uh, I wrote, to, wrote, to, wrote to, uh, to Claude, the guy who did the editing on mm -hmm. that You Look Nice Today episode and was thanking him for it and telling him that, I'm, I, you know, in retrospect, I'm amazed that any group can stay together for any amount of time. I am amazed that people can stay married for more than a year. Really, <laughs> yeah. it's insane. You sleep with that person and you brush your teeth in the same room. Like, how do you make that work? That's really magical that you ever got that. Uh, J Jesus and the disciples, like I can't even, they, they hung for like three years and, and didn't hit each other that much. I mean, they had their, <laughs> their problems. In retrospect, isn't it kind of amazing that the Beatles stayed together for as long as they did? Well, you know what? When the Beatles were in the middle of creating their best music, John Lennon was already profoundly unhappy. Something I never really got until recently. But even while they were doing Revolver, John was a very unhappy person and he really wanted out of the Beatles. Three or four years before they broke up, that's that was on his mind. And I think that happens inside of all kinds of companies. I think it's, A, I think it's miraculous the companies even survive, you know, if they become successful or otherwise. It's amazing to me that people don't kill each other sooner than that. But also think of it this way. Let's say you're the person in like that arbitrarily five-person group, right? The golden days. We're sitting around the table. Well, what if, it, what if it turns out like you're the person who's really scared about the money situation and so you end up having to do your job plus making sure you don't get overdrawn? Or plus making sure that the lights stay on. Do you know what I mean? Like there's somebody who ends up having to take care of that and becomes like the den mother for that part of the project. Well, that person might be incredibly relieved when a money person gets brought in because they don't have to deal with that anymore. 
They might be actually really unhappy when that person came in because they don't think they're doing a good job of it and they've still got to do that work. Other people might be happy because they never thought the original dude was doing a good job and other people might be unhappy because they can't believe what a pain in the butt it is now to go get a requisition uh, for, for a new Fisher Space Pen. Oh my gosh, things have changed here. Now, I can't believe that I have to go talk to this new person and fill out a form to buy pens. Things that you've changed, man. It used to be about the music. That happens so early. So I, I don't know if there's an, really an answer to any of that. But, but you know what the funny commonality in all of this is between whether it's families or whether it's these companies? In that company, you know, <laughs> it's like Rashomon. Like we all know this thing happened, but we all have such a different viewpoint on it. And we might all look back at the days when we sat around the dinner table and say, you know what, those were the, really the good days. Well, they were really the good days because you worked your ass off and your relationships probably fell apart. Mm -hmm. You set aside your differences because you had to. You had no resource. You were basically operating in EMT mode for that time. You were like a crazy person. And so, yeah, you bonded the same way you bond with people if you've been through some horrible incident together. Uh, yeah. In a family, we can all look back and, and say, wow, it really was great. When, when, I mean, do you put up, do you put up pictures of... Uh, I mean, we can all agree that that was great when, when so-and-so was a kid, especially the first kid, right? Everybody's so excited about the first kid at that generation, right? It's funny because my eldest niece, there's like thousands and thousands of photos of her. And then as the kids get older... It, it, it like geometrically fewer photos of each kid until they're just kind of accidentally in the background at the oldest kid's graduation or something. <laughs> People are, most, but you know what I'm saying? Terrible. And yet think about this. You, the photos that you have printed and you send out to the grandparents are not the pictures of the kid crying in the emergency room with an open wound. It's not a picture of the kid getting beat up. It's not a picture of the kid, the door of the kid's room because she's sitting in there sobbing because she feels so alone. You got a picture of her riding her bike for the first time. You've got a picture of him after he hit the home run. You've got all of your own recollections about how that went. And yeah, you and I, we, 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 uh, we kid about, well, we don't kid. We tell the truth about the fact that this stuff is really hard and it's really fun and it's rewarding and it's soul crushing and it's great. And it's all of that stuff, which is so much more complex than I can even say on this, on this podcast. But, but I think that's all true. The photos you put on the wall are all the memories that we can all agree were pretty great. Even when my daughter like got paint all over herself and made this painting I'm looking at right now in front of me, like that, I'll remember that. That's funny. Look at her. I, I'm not going to put up photos of when she was sad and hurt. And I think that's exactly what happens in a company. The culture we remember are the good times. The culture that we remember is all the stuff that we framed and called the company, that we framed and called the kid. And the problem is, that kid is not, that kid itself is not looking at those photos and deciding what their life should be next. You are. You're the one who's making all those decisions about what that kid should do next based on those old photos. And so, you know, my thesis on that, just to get the parenting thing sort of out of the way, is I strive for this, I suck at this, but like this is always in my head that it's my job to get out of my daughter's way and let her become screwed up in her own way. She's going to be screwed up. Everybody's screwed up. Yeah. But it's my job to try to figure out how not to screw her up in my way, right? And keep reminding her that this is the book we read when she was little. She doesn't care. She just wants to be happy right now. How do I get out of the way to help her be six, seven, eight, twenty, fifty? 20, 50? And if you want your company to be better, how do you stop holding up the photos of what it looked like when it was a baby 
And how do you start understanding what it needs today? Is your baby a teenager? Does it need some alone time? <laughs> you know, it, it, where, where is your company now? And instead of worrying about your own emotional attachment to the past, how can you get out of the way or be supportive in the right places to help it become the company it wants to be now? Because it's probably not the company it was when you were around the kitchen table. It's heavy. It is. It's, it's surprisingly heavy and hard. It's hard. Yeah, the first time my daughter didn't remember a book that we used to read to her when I was a baby, I was crushed. Really? Ah, like, oh, well, you lay in bed and you read the same book every night. You make the same joke. You do the same silly voice and they don't remember it. It's like, ah, and then I thought, you know, I have quote unquote memories of childhood. I come to doubt a lot of them because I think a lot of our memories are kind of helped along and reconstructed by things like photos and like our family. Right. Um, but I, as I sit here today, I don't think I have that many memories of a thing that actually happened before I was four or five. I think I could say that I do, but like, she's, it's not her job to remember that stuff. It's my job to enjoy it, I guess, but it's not my job to constantly remind her which, which joke she should laugh at. You know, if it's not, it's not your job inside the company to keep constantly reminding people who were never there what it was like to work around the table. Who cares? Shut up. What are you going to do for me today? Like, how, how do I, I, I can't go back and be at the kitchen table with you in 1999. I'm here today trying to do what I can. But you know what's not helping is, is you sitting around sorting through old, you know, black and white photos and crying. Like, that's not helping the company. And if this isn't the company and the culture that you want, then what do you have to change? Right? I mean, it's heavy. Hmm. Lifting spirits. That's what, that's you, what we do quit, here. You've quit a lot of jobs, Dan Benjamin. Um, yes. And setting aside that you're a little bit of a loner outsider, have there been cultural issues inside the company that led to your deciding to quit? I think earlier, more earlier than later in my history of successively quitting jobs. <laughs> I think that mattered to me more earlier in my career when I felt that I, when I believed that I could change the world through the job that I had. Um, I believed very strongly that there were, you know, there was a, a cancer on the culture of company X that I was working for at any given time. And that if that, that was fixed somehow, if that was cured, <laughs> then the company could be cured and we'd all, all of us would be happy. And I knew, I knew so much about what was wrong with that company and exactly how to fix it, but it never seemed to pan out that way. And I think this was earlier on in my career. I was naive enough to think that I could have any influence at all over a, a company in such a direct way. And then eventually uh, I would quit. And, but later on, I just realized that all companies have their ups and downs and, you know, you're, you're probably not going to be able to fix the company as a whole, but if you're lucky enough to create a place for yourself within the company that you like, where you can do the kind of work and get paid to do the kind of work that you enjoy with people who you enjoy working with, that mm -hmm. that was enough, that it didn't, it didn't so much matter anymore that the culture of the company was what it was if, if you enjoyed what you were doing and you enjoyed how you were spending your time. Because, you know, I mean... You spend a lot of time at work. Think about that, you know? Mm -hmm. People spend 
so much of their waking lives. A third of your life, if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. If you're very lucky. And, you know, and, and I, I mean, the weird thing to me, and I guess we're in a really nice situation where I really enjoy what I do now. It obviously hasn't been, hasn't been that way most of my life. But how important is that? The, the compromises that people are that people are willing to make these incredible compromises about how they spend that third of their life. And you know, they'll make compromises in how much time they get to spend with their family or where they live or how they live. Mm-hmm. Uh, their safety. All of these things they're willing to make compromises on. In many cases, for a job that they don't, they don't really know why they're doing the job, or they don't really love the job, or they don't, you know. And I understand that you can be in a situation where you need to get a paycheck, and that's the number one thing: is you've got to get paid. You've got to, you've got to get paid. You've got bills to pay. But there are, you know, and maybe they're not even doing that well, and they got to pay the bills. Fine. But I know people who had excessive, extravagant lifestyles, worked to support those lifestyles and were miserable in both places. They were unhappy at home. They were unhappy at work. They didn't know why they were working as much as they were working, doing things that they hated doing, experiencing stress, having, you know, gastrointestinal reflux disease, <laughs> right? you know, or whatever, GERD, whatever that thing stands for, you know, and then they start taking medication. The medication creates other side effects. They have other health problems, which they take other medications for. And all of this clearly comes from the stress of their job. And then their quality of life that they would have to spend with their family is diminished so that they're no longer, they're, they're half what they could be being with their family, all to support what they argue is, well, this is for my family. Well, no, it's not. You know, I'm not saying you should go live, you know, in a van down by the river so you can spend all of your time with your family. But it's, for me, that that always wound up being the thing that I was thinking about is why am I, why am I so stressed out in this job when supposedly this job is to support a lifestyle that I don't get to live? Mm-hmm. So when it came back to leaving because of the culture, that was earlier on. Later on, I would leave because I, I didn't know how to process the stress that I was dealing with from the job. We talked about this, I think, um, I think we did a pretty okay job of talking about this in E53, which, which is an episode a lot of people like, The Wages of Security, um, which gets, on, gets to a lot of these things, I think. This, you know what I mean? This, this, this problem of, um, well, yeah... I've got to be here. I've got to do this job. Yeah, I'm scared to leave. But the sometimes surprising, sometimes the sometimes surprising ways that we we create a lot of those shoulds and musts and needs. Yeah. And, and for myself, like like I like I, I don't know. I really believe this about myself that I will always find something to be scared of or be anxious about. For for example, I mean, at a certain point, I, I it helps me to ask myself, well. Are you just going to be scared of something more or less interesting? <laughs> I know, fine for Merlin, but like it's super easy to be scared of something really, really boring, and to get to do so much rehearsal about your fear of that thing that it becomes more real than you can possibly imagine. Like where you can't imagine not having that fear, and you know what? Like now that's become like your favorite shirt because you wear that fear all the time and because you can't take it off, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's how it goes. So, I mean, in part I would I would re- refer people to to that. Which is security episode fifty three because I, I think it was pretty good at that. But you, you you're getting at something 
uh, painful and interesting, which is you talk about compromise, right? Like, how much are you willing to compromise? Like, you know, let's say that you finally said, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to be scared and <clears throat> worried about money forever. I might as well be scared and worried about money doing something I don't hate. Right. But isn't it funny though? And again, I go back to my old job with Dave or any of those. You can go back to your old jobs. And something, I think I said this in the Inbox Zero talk, but uh, no, sorry, the Rutgers talk, which is a pretty good talk. It's really long. But um, people, people say they leave a job because of money. But I don't think money becomes an issue for a lot of people until culture has been an issue for a while. Meaning, I think most of us don't like changing jobs. We don't like going having to go like do new things and different things. We don't like change. Yeah. It's no fun. Yeah. If we can like put up with the culture of something, we'll stay with it for a really long time. And the money becomes, I'm not saying always, but a lot of the time the money becomes a way of having this discussion with yourself where there's the part of you that needs to be talked out of how much this sucks or needs to be talked into how much this sucks that you've got to leave. Now, maybe you don't have these internal dialogues like I do, but I've had these my entire life, all the time. I wake up in the morning and I'm having these kinds of dialogues. So let's say this is the dialogue you're having. Oh my gosh, this is so different than it used to be when we're around the kitchen table working together. Or for that matter, this sounds so different from this, you know, hagiographic time I've heard about where everybody sat around the kitchen table, whatever. But you start going, I'm tired of filling out these forms. Um, I don't like this reorganization where we don't have... Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, a friend of mine who's recently uh, was acquired. The company that he worked at for many years was acquired by a big parent company. And everything, everything about his job has completely changed now, right? He, his ability to work directly with customers in, in the area where he works, classic old school, like regional sales model, completely out the window. It's all being throttled by this corporate office. The customer service has, of course, all been centralized. You know, why do you do these buyouts? Economies of scale, Right. Like we, we want all this good stuff about what you've got, but we need to put it into this one system. Even if we lose a little bit of revenue from these certain places, we're going to scale the living crap out of all of this, mm -hmm. which makes your job so not fun. Everybody's had this. I mean, I don't think that was a straw man, Dan, that, that whole like, oh my God, I can't believe how hard it is to do this simple thing that used, it used to be so easy. I face this again to make it about me. I face this all the time. What I charge for what I do is a ridiculous bargain compared to almost everybody else who does what I do. It's less than you spend on business cards. <laughs> but if I were Boeing and asking you for $2 million or $800 million, I sometimes think it would be easier than, than to try and get an invoice paid for, for what I do. Because that's not part of the system, right? We don't buy this kind of stuff at this level. Wait a minute, you want a new pen? Well, you know, to get back to the original example, well, if you want a new pen, we do office supplies quarterly and whatever people say <laughs> right. they want, we buy a bunch of. Right. So everybody else seems to like big pens. What's the problem? You know, oh my gosh, in the early days, you could pick like which one of these air on chairs you wanted. Like, you know what, you guys, you can, for that matter, you can pick which source control you want to do. Think about places you've worked where you move from Mercurial uh, to Git. I, I, that sounds nerdy. I bet there are some pretty heated discussions about moving. Is that an example that's, that makes sense? Yeah. Isn't that the kind of thing that drives people out of their, out of their skull though? Is like the new guy comes in and they change the, something about that. Isn't that kind of a thing? Coding standards maybe? Yeah. Something comes in and then it, it's supposed to, well, it, it's, you know, the new guy's working too fast. They slow down. What are you in a hurry? Well, but can it also be a case of, again, and this is where these fissures start appearing because they never, they never needed to appear before. Wait a minute. I can't believe you're enforcing this coding standard. This goes against the way we've always done it. Person two. I cannot believe you're introducing this new coding standard. 
we should all work in the way that makes the most sense to us and have little deals with the people in our group. I can't believe it has, person three, I can't believe it has taken these idiots this long to have a coding standard as the one who goes up and fixes, fixes everybody's, uh, you know, to do's and bugs and, you know, exclamation marks. Like it's my job to go and fix that. I can't believe how unmaintainable our code has been up till now. And for the fourth, fourth person says, I cannot believe all the guys with the beards are arguing about how text is formatted. Somebody is going to have a viewpoint on that that differs between all of them. And when you were around that notional kitchen table, it, 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 it never came up. But, but, but back to this, this, this other thing, I, I love what you said, though, about the compromises and the growing up part. Because when I was in that job with Dave, as I said in E5, uh, I forget what it's called, um, but in episode five, which is a pretty good episode, oh, Trigger Bites on the Bus Driver. Like, I was so emotionally invested in everything that happened there. Like, I, oh, I was yeah. a... Not an early employee. This is a terrific example of one of these companies. It was started by two professors at a university. The first employee was one of the professor's um, uh, sons. The other first employee was the other professor's son. You know, you, you see where this is going already. And then pretty soon they had 35 people and I was running their Mac, or Mac network and doing their courtroom exhibits. And it was always bananas. Everything that happened there was bananas. And it was all pure culture. But it was the culture. If you couldn't get, get along with that culture... Of, of, of two, and I don't know if you work with professors a lot, but it's, it's pretty wacky sometimes. But they were very much along the lines of, hey, look, we've always been a place where we work really late. And as it happened, I was actually really into that. I was really into working late. I was instead the guy who goes, I can't believe you're picking up your kid because I'm going to be here until nine tonight because that's just how I roll, right? And, but, you know, if you bring in responsible grownups <laughs> who are going to like work and not burn out after a year, they're going to be the kind of people who say, well, look, I can stay till six tonight, but I'd rather stay till six a couple nights from now when I can reschedule when I do things because I don't want to become an insane person like you people. Because you know what? You get a little bit older and you start thinking about different kinds of compromises. And I don't want to get off topic here. But in that instance, you know, I God, I would do anything to make people love me. If I could make an extra $5,000 next year, I would do so many bananas things that today, oh my God, I, I never in a million years would do those things. I would want to manage expectations better. I would want to help. I would want to, I would need to have a role in where this company was going. But think about you. Think about you going, well, you know what? Uh, enough bozo bit has been flipped here that this isn't for me and I go. Somebody else talks themselves into, not you necessarily, but somebody else says, you know what? Now it is about money because it's not worth it for me to do dry cleaning to come here and be this sad every day. But that's the funny part about getting a little older. And that's the funny part about getting a little bit pickier about what culture you will put up with. I have a friend who's probably listening right now, hi T, um, who moved from this really good job at this one place to like what looked like a really good job at the other place. And within <laughs> like the first day, they asked her to be in a meeting at 11 p.m. <laughs> 11 p.m. P.m. Like to talk to people in India. <laughs> and, uh, and it was like, it was just totally like, you know, obviously SOP. And then, you know, and then there's these, these other things. But suddenly, all oh, the culture, it was, it was, it was like, you know, um, like suddenly all these vampires like were coming out of the closets or something. And, and she ended up not being there very long because she, like, it doesn't matter what that job pays. There's no way that I want to be at a place where you just call a meeting at 11 and, and nobody even blinks. Like that's the kind of culture that's going to make the rest of your life really difficult. So, so look at it this way. And, and for me now, I, we got to wrap up soon. I'm sorry. This is so long, but, but this is one I think about a lot. Um, it, there's a really, really difficult balance that you want to strike Ugh, balances my just endlessly difficult balances yeah um 
the classic in some ways is the small company that starts up with what I will just call wizards. Like you've got people who just know all kinds of stuff. Maybe it's people who've worked at other startups. They know how to work with people in a startup, but you've got the beardy types. You've got the salesy types. You've got all these people who can like get along long enough to make this thing happen. It happens. Maybe, let's be honest, they're the people who brought in the patents in the early days. Maybe they're the people who defined something that became a standard. Maybe you're the DHH of this. Now, is he the delivery service or the guy who made Basecamp? Which one is he? DHH. DHH is David Hannemeyer Hansen. He made uh, Rails, among other things. Boom. And so you get the right group together and, and things start growing. This is really great. But now, now, now here's the problem. And this is another one of these crossing the chasm kind of things. You start out with this one idea of the people around the kitchen table. I'm sorry to beat that to death, but it's something that comes up a lot. You know, people who sit at Starbucks, uh, you know, we're right next to each other. It was easy communication. And now today we're arguing over reply all. What's happened? Well, part of the problem is you never, that you never gave that culture an opportunity to grow or you never gave that culture permission to evolve, Right. Like, like I've said before, if you treat, a, if you treat a, a cat like a kitten and never treat it like a grown-up cat and never let it go outside, you're going to have a pretty nice kitten for a lot of your life. That, that's, you can infantilize an animal like a cat in such yeah. a way that it'll stay pretty kitty-like for a long time. Mm -hmm. As people eventually learn, like Michael Jackson and Elvis learn, you can't do that with a chimp. They're strong. Yeah, they're really creepy too. Oh, they're super creepy. They, they throw poo and, and want to be strong. Yeah, it's not, yes, not it's, something you want in your house. Yeah, even if you get a really nice, easy-to-clean toaster. I'm just saying, once bubbles starts flinging. Ooh. But ugly. in order, here's the problem. Like, you don't want the wizards to quit. The question that, uh, there's so many great reasons not to hire me. I kind of want to do an ebook. Uh, the hardest question I like to ask early on is why will, why will the most productive person in your company quit next year? Why will, you know, the one person who does so much more, why will they quit next year? And they say, well, of course that person will never quit. We're awesome. And the thing is, well, you know, you should, if you don't want to admit that, that's cool, but you damn sure better be thinking about that. You better be thinking why the most productive person in your company will quit. Because it leads you down some super interesting avenues inside of the world of culture. Well, first of all, if your five wizards quit and you have a bunch of undocumented stuff and don't understand how, how they made the lady disappear from the cabinet, like, just because they got a patent doesn't mean that you're going to be able to replicate that. In, that. in some of those instances, those wizards could also be the people whose credibility inside of an industry is keeping you afloat. If you're not thinking about like, what happens when that person quits, right? you need to think about that. Yeah. Because then you're going to start getting into contingency plans for how your company should grow. Because when that wizard quits, right? Or that top salesperson quits. If there's a person who is, you know, an 80-20 type salesperson, a rainmaker, if that person leaves, boy, a whole bunch of that culture is going to walk out the door. Well, so what do you do? Do you do that? Do you, do you start doing free bagels? Do you start demanding that people work around a kitchen table? Because that's how it worked before. The true cargo culting in that sense. Or do you figure out, like, we either need to hire a few more and younger wizards, or we need to decide whether we're the kind of company where we want to rely on wizards. Because there's a trade-off either way. If you're a wizard company, it's going to be wacky and people are going to work really late. If it's a non-wizard company, just to have two ends of a continuum, there's going to be a lot of people that the wizards think are really boring, but do their job in a dependable way. Right? The, pe the people who love throwing features into a product are going to be really put off when the customer support people say, hey, you know, everybody's been asking for over-the-air sync and you keep redesigning the icons. And they're like, well, that's the problem we like solving. Well, yeah, but the people who buy this and tell their friends about it want to know where the FOTA syncing is, just as a hypothetical. Those are all growing pains, and they all involve what kind of culture 
you want to foster inside of your company, what kind of culture you can afford, right? Um, but it's, there's, uh, there's not an easy answer to any of this, of course. But, but I will tell you this, and we should, we should talk about one more thing after this. Do you remember okay. that phrase, eternal se- September or the September that never ended? Do you remember that? That sounds familiar. What's that from? Um, it's a phrase that had been around, I think it first be- came into wide parlance when AOL, uh, you know, dial up the AOL.com service added the internet to its walled garden offering. When you could very first you know, log in, you have mail. And you could also then like get to the internet more than, rather than just keywords. And suddenly in this one, like one month period, they flipped this on and suddenly I would have to guess at least thousands and probably millions of people could be on the internet for the first time at once. And it was overwhelming how many people like had no idea how to use the internet at once. And the reason they call it eternal September, September never ended. And I'm sure you know this term, but um, I didn't go to school that had internet access, but at, at schools that, that do, at the big universities, every September, there'd be a whole new crop of new people. You know what I mean? Who come in and have no idea, and you'd have to tell them not to type in all caps, and you'd have to tell them not to reply all, and like all of the stuff that... Education. Be, well, yeah, exactly. Or like trying to get them up to speed quickly on all the stuff that, that the wizards knew, or that even the normal users knew. And the thing was, every September it started over because a whole new crop of people came in. And so that was a term people like would use in desperation, the September that never ended. Because after AOL introduced that, there was a constant crop of people who didn't understand the then culture of the internet. You with me? Yeah. So constantly every day, especially through the 90s, the late 90s, even today, right? There's still people getting on the internet for the first time every day. I have to imagine it's less dramatic because the internet's mostly been ruined already by now. But back then, there was a real attempt. Like, like I don't know, man, I don't, BBS culture? BBS culture was super strong. Like, you didn't do certain things in the BBS. If you complain about Bob's 14.4 modem, you're gone. You'll never <laughs> log in here again. <laughs> right. If you repeatedly, I mean, it's sort of like the scene stuff. If you, if you upload these files that are corrupted, like, you're gone. If you yell at people, you're gone. It was, there was a, this, is, this is, you know, this is bowling. This is not nom. And I think that that September problem happens in companies. We really should have this. I'm very sorry. But um, I think that's exactly what happens because there's always somebody, in my case, back at that company in Florida. Like on the one hand, I thought because I was 80, to 80 hours a week guy, a lot of weeks, I, I felt like I could look down my nose at everybody. You know what? Maybe it didn't matter that my work wasn't always great because I was tired a lot. Um, but I burned out. And that's when I got to the point where I downloaded all the Betty Page uh, photos and made flyers for my band all day because I was burnt out. I had not been an adult. I'd been an advanced child at that job. But I could look back at the people who came before me and see their fire and look ahead at the people they were hiring who seemed really boring but were dependable. And I could see, in retrospect now, I see a culture in flux. Like Dave didn't work out, but you know what? I didn't work out either. I was not the right match for that company. And so if your company's going to grow, it may need to become a company that you don't like. Maybe you do need to go somewhere else. But if you want to keep people together, you know, whether it's the Disciples or, or, or the Beatles or an environmental consulting firm in Florida, you have to be open to the fact that that is an, a dynamic beast. And that culture is not something that you can decant or that you can cool and, and heat up to your satisfaction. Like culture is what it is. It's hegemonic. It's the air. If you can say what it is, it's like the Tao, right? If you can say what culture is, that ain't culture. That's you're already too late. You're already you're already shooting like behind where the animal ran away. That's why culture is complicated. 
Very complicated. I want to say one thing and one thing, final thing about something I like. And this is really, really exciting. You know about this, uh, you know about this text expander by Small Software? Do you know about this? Text expander. Yeah, I'm going to keep this fast because we ran late. I apologize. Okay. But this is something you really need to know. I know you know about text expander. I use it all the time. Well, of course you do. And you don't even know you're using it all the time until you hear bloop. Just quickly, Text Expander saves you tons of time by not having to constantly retype the same thing. We, we've talked a lot about this. You've probably heard about Text Expander. You may be using Text Expander, but I want to return to something uh, that should be why you're telling your friends about Text Expander and why you should be using Text Expander even more than you think. And that's called snippet groups. Do you know about the snippet groups? I am familiar with the snippet groups, but I would like to hear some of your tricks about them. Yes. So. So Why would I want snippet groups? Isn't I, just having I, snippets enough? I, I, I'm busy. I don't have time. What am I? I? I don't make my own catch-up. Snippet groups? What? Who's calling? How'd you get this number? Here's the thing. You have what's called a snippet, right? So if I type, uh, what's, a, what's an interesting one? Van Hoot, like Carl Van Hoot. Right. If I type V-A-N-H-O-O-T, I hear bloop, and it turns it into the correctly capitalized Van and Hoot with the O and the E having a ligature because I get sick of looking up ligature. If I type T-U-N-G-M-E as in Tungle Me, it types out the URL for my Tungle page. Right? We know about these things. Those are called snippets. Yeah, very you know, easy. If I'm on do. my phone, and or actually, I'm sorry, this works anywhere now. If I type BBB, that expands to back to work. B2W. Because I'm, I'm uh, back to work, like the phrase. I'm sick of typing that. Did you know have I told you these, Dan? If I type uh, FBU, it types out the URL for 5x5.tv. Nice. These are everywhere. Huge. These are each snippets. Now, what's cool, you can collect your snippets into what are called, I believe, s- snippet collections, snippet groups. I want to get the word right. Uh, snippet groups. Now, this is awesome. Quickly, inside of Text Expander, you've got all your specialized ones you've made, but did you know, were you aware that there are many predefined groups inside of there? I think a lot of people don't know this. So in addition to your own groups of all your personal things, you can add things like, I'm looking here, accented words. Uh, so a bunch of stuff where like if you want to type, you know, resume, it'll fix that for you automatically. I know you've already got this inside of this and that thing on this platform. Get that this works in tons of iOS apps too. So taking your phone number for me to type M-Y-C-E-L-L, my cell, that bloop, that it bloops into my phone number everywhere I go. Yeah. It's the best. And so you can get things, oh, you know, it's a great one is these symbol snippets is you can go in and have it do a trademark symbol for you. Again, you've got ways to do this if you're a nerd on uh, your Mac, but this works on uh, in tons of iOS apps as well. Now I want to tell you about another thing today quickly. Again, I apologize if this is long. We're huge fans. Um, this is, I, I've been talking to Gene about this, Gene at Smile, and I hope that they will turn this into like a bona fide community. There are kind of communities, but you can share these with other people. You can go in and share your snippet groups with people, with your team, with your company, right? So if you're sick of typing like the name of your, the really long name of your office, the address of your office with the mail stop and all that junk, you can have that inside of a snippet group that gets shared via Dropbox with everybody on your team. This is hugely useful. But now, you know how they say, Dan, like you can judge the health of a community by like how many people are developing for that platform. I think that is, I think that is really true. Uh, I think it's true in general and I think it's really true in this case with Texas Banner, there are tons of people writing these snippet groups and sharing them with the other nerds. And you can go out and find those. Let me find my file with all of these in it. Um, so you're saying I, could, I can get your code. I can get your groups. I can get all into all your stuff. I can get in your yes, business. Yes, it's easily shareable. You know, somebody went and did this. This is kind of neat. I'll put this all in show notes. You know what good. you should be doing? You should put this on GitHub. And that way people can fork it. Well, Dan, just so you know, people like Brett Terpstra... 
<laughs> that one was pain in a way that pleases me. And Dr. Drang are out there putting these out. I'm going to put a couple of these in. The, is uh, Drang the one with the funny uh, picture? The funny. Yeah, I can't like that, look at that. You? It looks you look at too creepy. It reminds me of like something that happened in a department store in my childhood. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. I'm sorry I wasn't there to soothe you. Um, oh, yeah, there. Seeing Brett. Brett puts it on GitHub. On the GitHub, and so does Dr. Drang. Um, and uh, so, anyway, why am I telling you all this? Because there are people out there who are doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Uh, CRM uh, that I like a lot called Heap CRM. They put out a bunch of great little snippets. I have one of these that I use. Um, I mean, if you. The thing is, this is what's neat about this. So many people and so many smart people are using it that this community is continuing to blossom. There are more and more people putting out all of these these great things. So in, in show notes for this, uh, we will put a bunch of these that I like a lot. We also link to the page that explains how these uh, how these things work on the Smile site. But check this one out, Dan. Look, at you see that one? T-E. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Snippets. From noob to nerd. That's kind of a, a first cut at learning lots about snippets. You can see about public repositories. Um, I guess I'm saying two things. Well, three things. You, uh, you should be using uh, Text Expander by Smile Software. Uh, second, you should be looking at these snippet collections. As you get to where you understand this and use this more, uh, you're going to want more. And in the same way that you might want to pick up some library of code that could save you a bunch of time, uh, it's worth looking around at these. And then third, like if you're a nerd and you're making these, please share these with other people, like our friends Dr. Drain and Brett Terpstrip. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing. You can go and actually purchase this. You can get this. You can get this for your OS, uh, iOS devices and for your, uh, your home Macintosh computer PC. And you can just get this by going to smilesoftware.com. See, Dan, I got it right the first time. You did. It's Smile is the name of the company. Smilesoftware.com is the name of the domain. But they it doesn't matter. Their, uh, they change their name every, uh, hmm, oh, every 20, 30 minutes. Resolution thing. And then there. I get an email saying, could you please, could you please, yeah. when you refer to it, do not use the term software, except and if they weren't such lovely people. I don't know, I don't know if you're there, Gene, but I think we may have a, there's a slight Apache thing here, but you could be guaranteed that if you go to triple-dub.squarespace.com slash back to work, that will take you to a page. What did I say? Did I, did I, did I say small software? Where did I smile, say? Smilesoftware.com. I, I don't know if I said Squarespace or Smile. You know what? They're all, they're all together. You can go to one, it's like going to all of them. This is all in show notes. If you go to smilesoftware.com uh, slash B2W, uh, www.smilesoftware. If you go without the triple dub, it takes you to They PM. even have a little picture. They have your, your smiling Welcome, caricature, your avatar there. How sweet is that? But uh, uh, you can go in and get this. Text Expander, Text Expander Touch. These are, these are fantastic things. And also, as I said, in show notes, uh, in just a second, well, I will make sure that these are all in, um, in our show notes, which are available at Ah, 5x5.tv slash B2W slash 59, mm-hmm. which works just like a regular expression to change uh, quotes to double quotes or whatever it is. Hmm, five or niner. Um, I've said this for a long time. Uh, yes, you have. Even back to the, yes, I have. Back to the days when I actually used the term uh, life hacks unironically. Um, is that, uh, to me, the heart of a good life hack is something where you're solving a real world problem that was something that may be elegant or inelegant, but it fixes that little problem quickly and easily. Uh, and I think the first part of getting good at life hacks is realizing what your real problems are and then having the sense to realize that there may be a simple solution. And for me, that's Text Expander. As with TextMate, as with you know Bash, as with any of this stuff, there's probably an alias you can do in Bash that will really speed things up. It's di- exactly ditto here. 
Uh, maybe that could be you know like a key command in Quicksilver. But the point is with Text Expander, if you are typing something more than once, you're, you're monkey balls. You've got to get in here and, and just use this app because it is the best. We should have a contest where we talk about some of our favorite ones because I've got a lot of really good ones. But um, so yeah, check out some of these uh, repositories that we're going to point to because uh, you can probably improve your efficiency. It syncs across all of your devices. And we thank Smile Software very much for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. You're welcome. Oh, oh I, got, I got so worked up about all the culture. I got a little discombobulated. I know. 119 I was, minutes, nine times. Nine times, Mrs. Bueller. Primrose Path. I didn't mean that to happen. Caliber Bend. I introduced myself to him and he was very nice. Very nice. Jeffrey Jones. Dr. Um, Jones. Dr. Jones. So, hmm, this is kind of interesting. Oh, you know what? We're not in, back, not in the uh, After Dark. Not is yet. It? We got to yeah, close it out. Want to button this up? It up? What should we do? We should have a song or something that we sing at the end. I think you do have a song at the end of the show. Okay. Okay. Culture's like a baby. It's yes or no, or maybe. Whether you are your special lady, you gotta quit taking snapshots of nothing. Nah. <laughs> Wonderful. Go button this up. Let's do it. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.